What's up, everybody, and welcome to Gaming History 101, the Retro Video Games Podcast. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Fred Rojas, and joining me from uh, a... Dragon Shores. What? The Dragon Shores. The Dragon Shores, (laughs) yes. None other than Mr. Jam Elias. How are you doing, sir? I'm not doing too badly, Fred. The reason I say that is because I'm on vacation this week, so... Nice, (laughs) yes. Seems appropriate. And yet you had to come to work here. Fantastic. (laughs) Oh, no, man. It's good to be here. (laughs) I almost wanted to uh, refer to Ganasty Ganork Slayer, uh, but uh, no, I, I completely forgot, uh, like I always do. Like I am want to do, I completely forgot about what uh, the names of things were uh, until until right up to the moment. So anyway, today we are talking about Spyro the Dragon, specifically Insomniac's iterations of Spyro the Dragon. Specifically on the PlayStation 1. <laughs> so, just in case you were wondering. Is there any more specifically? <laughs> specifically? No, no. Well, yes, actually. Specifically the uh, the non-greatest hits edition of, Enter- or of Year of ah. the Dragon. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know if you played that version. That's the version I played. Is the uh... Or no, I played the greatest hits edition. Sorry. The green one. Well. I played both, but um, but oh. one of them I did. I was not able to finish, but I'll get to that. <laughs> was there a glitch that stopped you from getting to one hundred percent per chance? <laughs> no, my my uh, my the disc I got. Um, I, we got it's called the Platinum Hits over here. I know. You, I think you've mm-hmm. got that over there as well. Um, we call them had, the greatest hits, but yeah, yeah. It's called they call the yeah. Well, it's, it's the Platinum version, but I think it's the same as the American version anyway. But uh, my my disc um, just did it. Just basically, it stopped reading when I was about seventy five percent through the game, and um, it actually corrupted my memory card, and I lost everything. Oh. So I said, so I was like, fuck. So <laughs> oh man, <laughs> I tried to reload everything. So I said, screw it. Just for the safe bet, I, pl- I replayed the entire game on the original version on the PlayStation Network. <laughs> so ah, well, that one at least you know there's not going to be a flaw in the disc. Oh well, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> however, the PlayStation Network is want to give out at any moment, so you know. <laughs> You win some, you lose some, but uh, anyway. Uh, so yeah, we will be talking about those. Did I just turn Castlevania into a porno? Maybe a little. Oh no, that's Fortingard. He said Grant Dynasty's <laughs> sex Nazium. <laughs> it's great to have Fortingard. You know, back. he threw his knives in the Japanese version. Just saying. <laughs> um, 
But uh, all right. Well, before we get down to Spyro, we should talk about a couple of things. So uh, first and foremost, we have an email. Yeah. We do. Do you know how you get in contact with us? You can go to GamingHistory101.com forward slash contact or just click on contact on the right-hand toolbar on the main page and you can send us an email or you can send us a Facebook. It is... um, Trying to remember what our actual gaming history one is. It GH one hundred and one Facebook.com? Well, it's not gaming history one hundred and one, is it? I thought I'll, some. I might be wrong. Actually, I, mean, I think I'll, some I'll... twerpy kid took over that one. So oh, no. I can get out. <laughs> uh, You're probably right. Actually, hold on. Maybe it's GH one hundred and one podcast. Uh, anyway. We're real good what? at this. <laughs> no, no, yeah, you well, because once you link it into your phone, it's like phone numbers. It's GH101 Podcast. Sorry. Yeah. Um, where you, you can get updates on anything we post as well as uh, plenty of discussions that go on about various things, including the news stories we're going to bring up later. Um, additionally, you can call us. We haven't had a call in since our 100th episode, but uh, uh, you can call us at 803-816-1101. So just a couple ways you can get in contact with us. And we actually uh, got an email from a a reader slash listener by the name of Eric. Mm -hmm. He says, as a video game lover, I came across your blog through the links of the Old School Game Blog. Uh, If you guys don't know who that is, uh, Old School Game Blog is pretty cool because he really focuses on um, old Amiga stuff and making Amiga computers do really cool things nowadays. Uh, he's in the links section of Gaming History 101. It's on the toolbar on the right. Anyway, recently I started revisiting games I have played before. Classics like Metal Gear Solid, PSX, and also Warcraft Orcs and Humans, uh, which I played when I was only six and didn't even speak English. Hard game at the time. Actually, I would argue Warcraft Orcs and Humans near the end. If you're not used to the RTS genre, not really an easy game anyway, but maybe I just suck. <laughs> No, no, I agree completely with that. That game is hard at the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Metal Gear Solid's a little bit different. There is mm, some bullshit yeah. at the end, but other than fighting Rex and a couple of things, it's it's for the most part just uh, being persistent. Uh, recently, I started a gaming website, GameCrusaders.com, together with my girlfriend and a close friend of mine. Mm. My girlfriend wrote a piece on gaming in the 90s uh, with some classic games, Prince, Prince of Persia, Super Mario World, for example, And as I mentioned, I'm currently replaying the original Warcraft to write a piece on it. The website's fairly new, but I'm in it for the long run. Our vision is to provide great gaming articles and opinion pieces without all the annoying ads, just for fellow game lovers. Many ideas are currently in the works, one of which is a new links page, which I'm gathering links for, something along with the the lines of great gaming links. Cool. I think I have a... uh, I think having a retro old school gaming section would be a great addition. Can you give me some input on how to describe your website? Anyway, just want to pop in my head and say hello. Have a great day, Eric. Um, so, yeah, if you want to go check it out, uh, it's GameCrusaders.com. I have checked out his site. Um, and uh, how to describe my website. Um, I would say we are just kind of, again, we, we try to do... What a lot of uh, websites do um, in terms of covering 
old retro games we like, but instead of it being kind of a love fest or attempting to put a critical eye of yesteryear or modern day to it, we kind of just like reflect on things and talk about what it was like playing it now um, or how we felt about it in the past. I don't know. If you want a really good litmus for that, you can go check out um, uh, both um, Phantasmagoria and uh, Phantasmagoria <laughs> 2 reviews by me and Jam. You can get to know both of our writing styles as well as uh, kind of see how we take something that used to exist and kind of talk about it in context of today. So um, you're a little more in-depth about being more of like a review. I, I've i taken an interesting new... I think it's just from doing so many damn reviews these days. Yeah. I just kind of like get in, hit some context, and get out. And, and some PR reps aren't too keen on that for my modern stuff, but that's what they're going to get from me. So, whatever. <laughs> Fortingard says his Game Crusaders Pro or anti-Gamergate because that's a deal oh, breaker. <laughs> oh, no. And it no. comes back full circle. Yeah, I, I don't know if he's saying that in jest or not. Um, but uh, but I would assume, much like Gaming History 101, that uh, we are game ga- Gamergate agnostic uh, because <laughs> uh, it didn't exist when we cover uh, when when we talk about this stuff. So um, while we have brought up some more modern stuff, I don't think we've ever really tackled at the site, nor do I intend to tackle uh, the topic of modern stuff. So I don't know. So anyway, I don't know if he was kidding or not. But uh, how about this? Uh, Fortingard, it's whatever you need it to be in order to go check it out. And he's going to totally give me shit for that answer. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So <laughs> right, he went here in a few moments. <laughs> well, okay. Well, well, Eric, uh, thanks for uh, dropping in. Um, I read, uh, I read a couple of the articles, including um, your girlfriend's. Um, it's called Miss Gaming Nineties, um, and uh, and it's. It's a good piece. It's 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 fun. I mean, you got to start off with that. Start with what you know. Start with what you like to write about, and do the best you can to, uh, um, like I said, be a unique mouthpiece. I think enough people can read. I did some tests with this. If you go back and look, for some weird reason, I did like a handful of Nintendo games early on, mm-hmm. and the way I wrote it, it was like, eh. Like, my Hudson's Adventure Island is the best one. Like, who cares about Adventure Island? You can tell everything you need to know about Adventure Island and whether or not you want to play that by playing it for about 30 seconds. But I talk about the comparison to Wonder Boy, and that drives traffic to it. So just find your niche and and what you can offer to it that's different than what everybody else can offer and do your best with that, whether it be perspective, whatnot. I don't know. Any other suggestions, Jam? I was going to say, it sounds cheesy, but enjoy it as well, because, oh, yeah. you know, if you're not enjoying what you're writing, I think that's quite important, and then well, why bother doing it? Because there's so many sort of blogs and everything on the internet now. You got, I think, I think uh, so at least when I started doing writing, I, mean, I just um, do stuff that you enjoy first, and then you can kind of branch out into sort of, you know, the other areas, like you were saying, Fred. Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of an experiment there and kind of just find find kind of what works for you uh, i mean i mean although i've kind of been writing gaming stuff for probably probably about over a year now i think um mm-hmm. i'm still kind of still trying to find my kind of niche i still think i'm still sort of experimenting around a bit yeah i mean i've watched it kind of progress the only thing i've not wanted to do is give you feedback from a content perspective you know like I'll, i i Full disclosure, I edit everything that goes on the site up to and including my own reviews, which I know is a 
problematic to some people, but hey, if it sounds like shit, it's my own fault. Um, but, uh, but I've never wanted to kind of like, unless you come to me and you haven't, and that's fine, um, really make suggestions because I don't want to discourage or encourage any sort of voice from my perspective, you know? Uh, and, and that's what I would say to any of our contributors on our site and anyone out there who's making their own, like, just make sure it's your voice. Like you can very clearly tell, uh, Jam's voice in, uh, in what he writes. Um, and, and I would argue the same of myself. So, um, but cool. Yeah. And again, yeah, write about what you want because you're pretty much writing it for yourself. And then if you happen to get an audience for it, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I mean, shit like my, my article on getting caught up with the story at Killzone, it still bugs me that like, that's still our, our highest traffic runner. Like every day, <laughs> some, some guy picks up Killzone, uh, Shadowfall on the PS4 for, <laughs> for 20 bucks somewhere and then wants to get caught up on the story and reads that article, which is cool. I mean, that's what <laughs> it's there for, but <clears throat> I never thought when I wrote that, that it would literally be responsible for, one hundred plus impressions to the site a day, just like as a starting point. It's just like Jesus, seriously. <laughs> it's, probably, it's probably the only article that talks about the Killzone story. I mean, because nobody, nobody else. Yeah, maybe no one else gives a fuck. I don't know why I even covered it. I think it was just I was getting caught up by myself for Shadowfall, and I was like, okay, well, I may as well do it. So, yeah. Anyway, um, all right. So yes, if you want to get in contact with us, feel free to do so. Um, by the way, I need to give away some shit. Yeah. Um, I need to give away a copy of Life of Pixel. Uh, it's not a Steam code. It's just a – they gave it to me in the form of hum- Humble Bundle. I think it's because Humble Bundle is a good way for them to manage redemption. So I've got a code for that. I've also got a code for – let's see here. I think I've got Hitman codes on Steam. Yeah. Let's see what I got here. Kind of- Hit Mangoes. No, I don't have a copy <laughs> for Hit Mango, but uh, – uh, here we go. I have. Searching the back. Yes, I have Hitman <laughs> code name 47 and Hitman 2 Silence Assassin, which I've never played code name 47, uh, but oh, I remember boy. loving Hitman 2 on uh, the Xbox. Mm. Like, that was the game where you really start to fuck around and, and get to know yeah. stuff. And I'm sure the first one's no exception. But if anyone's looking for those just let me know and i can send you some hum, uh, humble humble bundle code which gives you a steam code uh-huh. uh anyway um all right well guess we're on to what you've been up to this week man anything fancy anything big going on no not really not this week it's been really this week it's just been um finishing up work for the week and um yeah start vacation i mean i'm gonna be i'm going away from tomorrow uh, but I won't be gone for long. I'm just going to be going for a couple of days. Uh, just That's to... okay. If you had to disappear, I could make it work. Uh, I'm good. Like if you oh, had no, to disappear I... for a week, that is. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> not at all. I've had to um, – because cause, cause, yeah, I think we said this last week where I was having car trouble. So I've had to mm. hang around for, for a while uh, to sort the car out. And it's still not sorted out as well. I'm just like, for, for the love of God. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> – yeah, I left it with the I've left it with the garage today, and it's just they haven't got back to me at all. So I just said to them, "Look, look, I don't care anymore. If if if, if the car is dead, it's dead. Let's just scrap it. Let's just get some money and let's start again. Let's just oh, please, I'll get a new car. let me know." So so yeah, it's so 
it's uh, it, it is what it is. But um, but in terms of gaming, what a lot of my week uh, has been mostly been catching up with the Spyro stuff. I finished Spyro one and two and seventy five percent of three <laughs> ages ago. I know, right? Because <laughs> uh, Fred mentioned it on a B team podcast where he said that he thought I'd finished it. It wasn't entirely true though. Um, I could have finished it though because because you know in the games you can kind of finish the games early. But I was trying to kind of go for the whole shebang, go for one hundred percent. Yep. Like, yeah. but because uh, the uh, we'll get on to this but these games are very addictive in collecting and go <laughs> just yeah completionist just... like me gets in there and it's like woo woo yeah pretty much but at the same time it's as much a, a curse as, as it is a blessing uh hmm. <laughs> but so last three days i've literally been playing uh year of the dragon Con- like literally i've just been attached to the psp in every free moment playing it it's <laughs> just burning through it that is not uh, that is the easily the longest of the three. I know um, it is as well. It's the, 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 I remember I think I finished the second one in just like a couple of days, really. Um, yeah, both of those I finished. Uh, actually, the end of one. And again, we'll get to this when we play it. But uh, there's, again, this is not going to be like a game club. This is going to be more of like a feel of the games yeah. and stuff, a yeah. reflection. But, um, but yeah, one, the only thing was finding the area that had like the last seven dragons so I could have my 50 dragons and then go on and take take on Ganasty Ganork. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. And oh, that last boss battle. Anyway, um, if you'd call it that. Um, but, uh, all right. Well. How about yourself, Fred? What have you done to you? Uh, mostly just been playing games. Um, yeah. But uh, one thing I've been replaying is Bayonetta, because I have it on the Wii U. And I will be doing a review of Bayonetta 1 on uh, GH101 as soon as I complete it. I think I'm about a day or two out, but it might take me into the weekend, because I'm also playing Insomniac's newest iteration, Sunset Overdrive. So Oh, really? Wow. I've got it for a handful of days. Busy. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Actually, I've been a busy bee on all games. I did the uh, Evil Within review. Yeah. And then I spent a lot of time playing Evolve and burning through Bayonetta 1, which Bayonetta 1 is wow. not a short game. It's uh, no, no, no. It's 12 hours if you know what you're doing. <laughs> it's crazy. I, I, I really enjoy Bayonetta 1. I don't know if you remember saying, but is the game different on the Wii U in terms of was it built again from the ground up or is it really just a port? It was optimized. It's pretty much just a port. Looks yeah. beautiful, though. Yeah. Um. They've done more of a uncompressed stereo feel than a true surround. There's a lot of topics concerning that, but I've never had anything screw up with the sound on my Wii U until this one. And mm. I do have an HDMI direct in for surround sound. My Xbox One knows what to do with it uncompressed. My PS4 knows what to do. My PC knows what to do. Never had any problems. Bayonetta, all of a sudden I can't hear half the sound effects or any of the voices. Come to find mm. out, if you switch it from surround, which I've never had to do for any other Wii U game, mm-hmm. um, and you switch it to stereo, you can listen to it in uncompressed stereo, which actually sounds, I mean, it, it sounds good because, you know, previously it was compressed 5.1, and I think it was just a stereo game, you know. we've I've come to, to terms with the fact that most of your PS3 and 360 surround sound was all bullshit, that they just had, like, a thing. Much like they up everything to 1080p, they just had a thing that just kind of, like, you know, made it look or made it sound like 5.1, but it was like a version of Pro Logic. Um, mm. So it sounds really good and dynamic, but I had to switch it to stereo. And then it gets goofy because all of a sudden I boot up any other game on the Wii U and it's only coming out of two speakers. I'm like, oh, I got to go back to surround. So 
Uh, that's a little annoying, but at least I know how to fix it. Mm-hmm. Thank you to the Idle Thumbs Forum for that. Um, but uh, and and people are just saying it's my setup. But or, well, not me specifically. People are like, oh, you don't have the right setup for it. But I, <laughs> I don't know what setup you need. I have a, a Yamaha that supports everything, and it's been no problems on my my seven point one. But magically, this one flaws it. But uh, it's pretty smooth. It's up to sixty frames a second, which actually jam makes oh, it. Yeah. Yeah, so it runs a lot smoother, and and I thought that the original was silky smooth anyway, but it's very specific, and it always was, on the dodge mechanic. Your frame counting is very important, and your cancels are even more important when you do them, and to anybody who's crossing their eyes and thinking I'm talking about upper-level Street Fighter (laughs) play, it's a little easier to frame count and understand cancels in Bayonetta because it's just the touch of a button as opposed to like charge mechanics and things like that with Street Fighter. Um, but do you recall, like, you know, having to get down to the second? Like, this is no loose dodge. Like, you've got to pretty closely get hit and then dodge. You know yeah. what I mean? And so at 60 frames, you've got to be even more specific on that because it's running twice twice as many frames a second. So it can mm-hmm. be more precise, which I'm sure there are a bunch of Bayonetta, like, pros that have, like, erections for that. But <laughs> I mostly finished every level with a stone statue even if i did very well and didn't die so Mm -hmm. you know be that as it may and i frequently platinum even later on in the game um the suits i don't like yeah yeah, costumes ruin it yeah and i talked about that so anyway (laughs) but the long and skinny of it is i'm playing through it um and long and skinny bayonet as long and skinny anyway um (laughs) but uh i'm i'm on chapter 12 Uh uh-huh which for How most people, uh, there are 16 plus the three-level prologue do you, or epilogue. Do you remember that? Yeah. You, like, yeah. beat it, but you don't beat it, and you've got another hour to go. Jeez. Um, but <laughs> yeah. isn't Fred bad at games? Yes, Fortingard, actually. All kidding aside, I am. So <laughs> there is that. Um, but uh, most people will recall if you beat that game. If you didn't beat the game, most people can't remember where they quit. Because I hate to admit it, while everything's dynamic and different while you're playing it, it's not so much the case when you're relaying it. Like, if we ever did a game club of it, it would be very hard to go back and go, huh. You know, like, only the boss battles or when you're in the moment does it feel dynamic and different. It's hard to kind of remember. So that's why most people who played it in the past just remember that they quit at some point. If you beat it, you got rewarded by having one of the best levels, which was, welcome to the Fantasy Zone, get ready. And it uh, had an entire level that was basically the first four levels of, uh, what's the game uh, we have? It, um, Space Harrier, Space Harrier 2 specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember this, Jam? How there's an entire level when she's flying to the island with the oh, rockets? Oh, yeah, the, the rocket, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and... Uh, Bayonetta, long and skinny, Sarkeesian, and John, <laughs> John Boy Pride, bitch tears. Actually, I hate to say this, but uh, uh, I find Bayonetta to be extremely attractive. And while uh, Anita, uh, yeah, sorry, as uh, while while Anita Sarkeesian is an attractive woman, she is not on the same level as Bayonetta to me. Um, but uh, anyway, um, but uh, yeah, I. Uh, uh, I, I love that level, and I thought it was one of the coolest things, and, uh, and 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 I think that's been my carrot on the stick to just keep going. It's chapter 14 is the Space Harrier level. I'm on 12, 
and I'm about probably three to four hours from the end of the game, but it's taxing if you just do it every night. So anyway, I got my hands on a, uh, a rental copy of Sunset Overdrive, and I've got it till Friday. So I put in about three hours in the game, and I'll probably put in some more. Um, I'll be talking about that on B Team, though. So yeah, so watch for Bayonetta, probably a review on Monday, I would guess we'll go live on Monday, and then I gotta decide, I think I'm gonna actually take some time off and play Shadows of Mordor. Oh yeah. Um, and then I will return to Bayonetta 2, uh, because I need it for a g- Game of the Year discussion, and I need to beat, uh, uh, and I, I definitely need to beat it if I'm going to consider it for a goatee. <laughs> so anyway, um, so yeah, anyway... Uh, so that's what I've been up to mostly, um, is playing a lot of video games every second I get. I have also, I'm officially, I looked up a walkthrough that didn't actually go into depth about everything, but it had Mm -hmm. like chapters. And from the walkthrough perspective, I'm right dead smack in the center of Secret of Mana, which is our game club this, uh, these next two months. So I'm pretty much halfway through, uh, Secret of Mana. So... And we'll be talking about that. The game seems like it should be longer than it is, but maybe like most Final Fantasy games, it gets fucking brutal near the end. Although mm. the original yeah, Seiken Den sets didn't really do that. Maybe there's a lot of grinding. There is a decent amount of grinding already. And that's kind of weird because it's not turn-based, but uh, it, you definitely level. And you level in weird ways. In fact, Jam, if you haven't started that game yet... Yeah. Or even if you have and have only played a couple hours, you might want to jump on and read like a beginner's guide uh, yeah, because like learning how the weapons and magic levels up, or you can ask me, but learning how the lep- weapons and, and, and magic level up and then knowing how to grind that, you're probably going to want that in order to succeed because that game starts very difficult in the front end. Mm. Not overtly difficult. Remember, I suck at video games, but it's... Uh, <laughs> But, like, I found myself dying for stupid reasons early on, and then once I grinded a little bit and leveled up my magic and stuff, it was much more manageable. Mm. Uh, to the point that a boss that I died, like, six times on, I killed in one hit once I'd leveled up, so, uh, with the right magic. So, anyway. Um, but, we do have some news stories, so I guess we'll jump into news yeah. real quick. Mr. Jam, would you like to take it away? So um, I know Spot 42 Level 1 already covered this news story, but hey, we're going to cover it again because um, people might be listening to this show later. Um, and that is a video game museum is set to open in Nottingham in the UK, which will mean absolutely nothing to Fred because he doesn't live over here. But, but maybe he'll come I can fly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, this is a big deal, Fred, because there to this day, there hasn't been a – there hasn't been a I – don't, I don't, do you have a, a museums in America that are dedicated to gaming? I didn't really ask we have there, a um, we do have a video game museum that shows up at a lot of retro and non-retro mm-hmm. shows up to and including the Midwest Gaming Classic, um, yeah. but it's kind of a mobile museum. And then there is at the Smithsonian, uh, a major uh, museum in New York, there is a video game exhibit that is a mm-hmm. permanent staple of it. But for the most part, no, no, it's still a. Yeah. Uh, it, they're, they're still for kids. There's nothing educational about them. Absolutely. Well, I mean, up to this point, the only gaming museum type stuff I've seen has been at, at um, expos that I've visited over you know, the year, which are only for like weekends only. Um, or the London Science Museum, which did a very sort of brief um, sort of session. It, it, when they do sessions in the, London, in the um, Science Museum, they cover like about a three-month period. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so they did they did a small stage gaming, but it wasn't sort of very detailed or anything like that. Um, this one, which is in Nottingham, it's um, specifically on sort of gaming culture and sort of how to make games and everything like that. Um, and it, there's sort there's, it seems like they're putting quite a lot of thought behind this. Whether it will actually do well is um, will be interesting to see. So whether it'll actually right. last. Um, but, you know, they've put 2.5 million um, British pounds, so that's probably about 50 million dollars or whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's like uh, <laughs> Fort Knox over here. So. Yeah, but so it's a lot. A lot of money's been sunk into the project. So um, it's been what's it's been called the. Oh, I, mean, I just lost a name. I just lost. Hold on. Oh, it's actually, called the. Oh yeah. Cultural um, center for video games. <laughs> interesting um now the reason why i'm kind of hinting at a bit of um sort of joking about this a little bit is uh this is some of the stuff that they're going to be showing off to start with Fred. Oh, here we go um, yeah absolutely so director ian simon says he quotes in this article it's on the bbc website uh, we believe that games should be played by everyone and that games should be made by everyone and then he goes on to say what they're going to be featuring at the museum and the collection so far includes the prototype controllers for rock band and wait for it the PlayStation iToy, because that's so amazing. Yes! <laughs> Coming up next, yeah, the Connect. Yeah. I mean, I know they're prototypes, so some people might be into that, but at the same time, they're still the kind of, it's the, it's, it, it's similar to what it was in, in in the final iteration. As well as that, they've got the original Star Wars cockpit cabinet, which isn't a surprise. I've seen most people have known what that is and have seen it probably in arcades anyway. Uh, the original Magnavox Odyssey. They actually make a big deal of this. I'm like, oh wow, hell <laughs> <Just>, yeah. <laughs> They make a big deal about it. They go, you might not know, but this is the first home console. <laughs> but this is I had a no idea. I mean, I mean, I'm being a bit of a dick about it because obviously, I mean, if you are, a, if you are a, like a total nerd about gaming like we are, then of course you know this stuff. But I guess what they're trying to, I guess what the idea is, is they're maybe trying to appeal this to <clears throat> new people that are new to it, um, that use the whole gaming scene. But the, the, the problem is really is, um, you know, will they care? <laughs> I don't know. So who <laughs> will see? Um, so it'll be, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go visit this. I will go see it because Nottingham is not too far from where I live anyway. I mean, in the, I mean, I mean, I mean, I know the UK is nothing in, in comparison to the size of America as a whole, but uh, so, I mean, hell, me visit, going, visiting, visiting Annie and Annie in Scotland is nothing compared to Fred probably driving cross country. <laughs> so, oh no, it's nothing. <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. But, but but well, it's it's opening March next year, so I'll go check it out and I'll you know I'll give some feedback on the show probably about it, or maybe cool. even write, maybe even write an article. There you go. Optimistic. Take pictures. Take pictures. Yeah, no, that, oh, oh, definitely. Yeah, Just a little word to the wise. But um, <clears throat> well, and I should point out that in the chat, uh, Lolbot uh, says uh, Fun Spot is an arcade museum, and and mm. he's pretty much right. Uh, so I, I'll give it that. I never thought about Fun Spot as that way, but it, it definitely is, uh, for many reasons up to and including being the gaming capital of the universe, which, uh, <laughs> if you don't know what that's about, that's, uh, about, uh, um, oh, what's Walter Day's thing? Uh, oh shit. Yeah. Anyway, I'm blanking on it because I'm yeah. old, but, uh, anyway, we did an episode about that. It was called gaming capital of the universe. So you can go check it out. Great uh, Twin galaxies. There we go. Anyway, um, cool, cool. Well, I've got a couple of things. Um, 
And actually, yeah, I've got a lot because there was a lot that kind of happened for those of us who are actually buying hardware. Uh, definitely <laughs> should point out that at archive.org forward slash details forward slash Internet Arcade, more than 900 arcade games in a mm-hmm. MAME-like setting have gone live and can be played in browser. So that's something you can check out if you uh, um, do not have a good way to play MAME or don't want to fuck with all the bullshit that comes with playing MAME. So that's just something to talk about. Thank you, TC, for mentioning that. Mm-hmm. Um, but lately, I've been just blown away with a lot of the new technologies that have come out to assist us in uh, in making our old consoles usable again without the rarity of such archaic design. So, for example, Jam, these mm-hmm. days <laughs> you can easily find a converter that will allow you to play NES games in Famicoms and vice versa. Um, that was kind of a big deal back in the day. I had to scour for my honeybee adapter. Um, and, uh, another one is, you know, I've got a official Sega CD Ram cart that yeah. gives me 9,000 blocks or whatever on the Sega CD, which I have no idea what a block is worth, but I know the Ram cart's like 32 KB or something. <laughs> mm. Well, now you can buy those Ram carts instead of spending large sums of money. I mean, it's not much better. You're spending 40 bucks for the Ram cart instead of buying a used one for like 60. But the new Ram carts are probably built to last and they were definitely manufactured much closer to today. Um, they've also subsequently got uh, power base converters available now. Did you know that? If you ever nice. want to play. Uh, Genesis or Master System games in your Mega Drive slash Genesis. There is a site that does sell those pieces now. Uh, nice. Again, for about thirty bucks, they're not yeah. too expensive. I like that. Hmm. Um, but for me, the big ones are the uh, AV stuff. So one of the biggest scares you have when you own a PlayStation One, 3DO, CDI. Well, aside from the fact that you own a CDI, uh, Sega Saturn, Dreamcast, Jaguar CD. Neo Geo CD, and despite what anyone will wow. think, including Fortingard's absolute justified <laughs> hatred of the Jaguar CD, um, uh-huh. you spend, save for the PS1, large sums of money for these consoles, uh, and the Dreamcast. The Dreamcast kind of not too expensive either. And then it shits the bed because the old school laser lens goes bad, or the drive mechanism goes bad. And, uh, you know, that sucks. Well, now... Uh, mm-hmm. There have been a lot of SD card readers that have come out where basically you remove the disk drive and it hooks up to the I.O. interface. And then you have to do some solder connections for power and whatnot. And then you just pop an SD card in there. Yes, I understand. That's piracy. Um, <laughs> and uh, and you can now play PS1s, 3DOs, CDIs, Saturns, Dreamcast, all these things uh, without actually having a, a spinning disk drive or spinning the disk, which is very useful when you want to archive this stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of cool. I've been seeing a lot of those come out. They're available at various retailers. But if you're looking for something like that, go ahead. For me, I'm just waiting even down to my PS2, which has um, a mod chip in it. And I don't actually use it for pirated games. But as people have probably seen, I use it for unreleased games and also playing uh, region free. Uh, I use it to make sure my NTSC and PAL games can play nice with each other and stuff. But if that drive were to ever die, I could easily just pop in a hard drive, rip all my discs, and uh, enjoy them. And if anybody needs proof that I actually own the discs, I've got plenty of proof. <laughs> um, 
I almost don't want to take a picture of the Michigan disc box just for fear that it might disintegrate before my eyes. Yeah. But at least I've got the saved videos of me playing it. Um, but uh, anyway, kidding aside. I think that's enough proof. Yeah. <laughs> kidding aside. Um, yeah, some people are always like, how do you know it? Or how are we supposed to know it's not emulation? Well, first of all, I don't know a computer that can so successfully uh, make that grainy, shitty look that's that say, old yeah. school <laughs> video crap. games can make. More importantly, if you can't clearly hear my clickety clackety clack when i'm playing certain games and pressing the buttons really hard um you can even hear different tones of the clickety clack depending on which console i'm playing uh, it's pretty clear um oh yes and none of the 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 v-sync's uh hitches the screen tearing that you see sometimes but anyway uh, the other big one is the DB t- uh, Graphics Booster is coming this month. You can find it at www.db-elec.com. Look under the news section for the DB Graphics Booster. What this is, Jam, is... Do you own a TurboGrafx-16? No. <laughs> oh, okay. that's hard to find. <laughs> yeah, they're extremely hard to find in Europe. And in America, right, they don't adapt to PAL, so it can yeah. be a problem, especially because it's a screw-on coaxial connection. Well, what this is, is there used to be something called, uh, what's it called? The Turbo Boost, and it added composite cables to the back of a TurboGrafx. That's that expansion port that kind of pulls out. I don't know. If you've ever seen a TurboGrafx or a PC engine, you know the port I'm talking about. Otherwise, it's hard to understand. And what that was is that's how it interfaces with the CD-ROM drive, but it can also have the Turbo Boost hooked onto the end and gives it composite cables. Well, from my understanding, Jam, composite cables makes it much easier to adapt it for a European television, but what it what they've done is they've created one of their own, and the Turbo Boost goes for about one hundred fifty to three hundred dollars if you can find one online. Uh-huh. About a year ago, I almost bought one for one hundred and seventy five dollars. <laughs> I was on top; I was the top bidder on eBay, but then yeah. all of a sudden he canceled all the bids and ended the auction. So oh, I have okay. no idea what was going on with that. Maybe he was lying. Maybe he was faking it. Maybe he foresaw problems. Maybe mm-hmm. he found a buyer locally for you know, that was offering more money. I don't know. Um, so anyway, I don't know how much they're going to charge for this, but they say it should come out sometime this month. And the cool thing jam is on the back, it's got a composite out, so the yellow, white, and red, but it also has a Genesis slash mega drive two AV stereo out. So if you've got any cable on a mega drive Genesis two, that's that Mm -hmm. AV cable to the, to the, you know, the stereo Mm -hmm. sound, it works with that. That's not, yeah. And I'm guessing wouldn't have any problems. Uh, apparently, it also there's a, a SCART adapter for the Genesis 2, and it works just fine That's with cool. that. Yeah. So that will be awesome. And if I can do that, I can finally do a better job at capturing TurboGrafx, because right now I route it through my VCR. And luckily, with Splatterhouse, I didn't have any problems, but mm. that was the exception, not the rule. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... And, uh, and on that same note, there is a company trying to kickstart something called the HD Retrovision, um, which is the company's name. Uh, they're on Kickstarter. You know how I feel about Kickstarter. But anyway, they want $25,000. they have got about $10,000. There was 28 days to go when I wrote this. I think it's 26 now. Um, but basically, it's $35 for one cable, 70 for both cables. But they are releasing component cables for the SNES and the Genesis Mega Drive. Um, which can be cool. It, it definitely looks much better and sharper if you use those component cables. Resolution does not improve, just just uh, um, just quality. So, 
Um, I don't know how I feel about this. I think I'm just going to let it go. And if it passes, I'll buy it from, from them and they'll probably sell it for between 35 and 50 bucks. So, mm. but yes, <laughs> I see what that just me. it seems pricey or is that just me? Not as pricey, good? but yeah. then again, like stuff like on my Jaguar, there is mostly just, um, uh, just, uh, coaxial out like the screw on connections. Mm-hmm. And you can buy a, an official Jaguar uh, made by Atari cable with the composite, the red, white, and yellows. And those were rare because not a lot of people bought them. And so those sell for about, you know, not a lot of people bought Jaguars. Um, but uh, those sell for about like 20 bucks online. Or you can pay like, I think I paid 45 for it. There are a couple of companies that make S-Video versions that look a lot better. So... It just depends on what you want, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, there are S-Video cables for Genesis and, and various others. Um, beyond the SNES, though, uh, I think all of the Nintendo cable versions up to and including the Wii are all the same, and you can actually use Component Out for all of them. So, there you go. I also intend to get a capture card soon that will support Component so that I can capture a lot of that newer stuff mm-hmm. uh, better. Um, so Lowbot asks why on earth would anybody want to buy component cables for their SNES? Uh, it actually uh, looks better. They show yeah. a comparison video. Um, again, if this does not hold any importance to you, then completely ignore it. <laughs> anyway. And it's easier with modern TVs. Yeah, yeah, although I think it'll still look like shit on modern TVs, but like my, yeah. my interlace does have component in, so, um, okay. and it's, and yeah. it's not HD component, so it's just regular mm. component, so anyway. Uh, but that's about it for news. Anything else come your way? Uh, no, that was all for me. Um, was it, was there some story from Andy or something or was it mentioned? Or? Oh God, I'm sorry. <laughs> I completely bypassed it even though I just looked at it. <laughs> I yes. just saw this because I... <laughs> Sonic Extreme has been found. Somebody found an old build of Sonic Extreme. And it, while it requires a, uh, Windows 95 PC specifically with the, whatever it was called, like the diamond or the platinum, uh, 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 development platform mm-hmm. uh, they do have a usable version and they're going to try to figure out what they want to do with it whether they want to release it for just people who want to emulate Windows 95 which actually isn't that hard to do with DOSBox or if they want to um, try to make a version that will run on the Saturn now mind you it wasn't optimized apparently they got it up to what like forget from the Sonic Extreme episode but I had it down like they they had it to like 15 or 20 frames per second but it's still not doing great and yeah. it's got the fisheye lens so i'm curious to see it um i almost think that's better suited to just show someone playing through it but who knows they may release hmm. it so but thanks andy from 42 level one for sharing that with us those guys love sonic they do <laughs> they do so but uh anyway but uh Sure, but what are they really hoping to attain? Improving the sharpness of pixel graphics? It's not anti-aliasing. I agree. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, there is like this weird blur effect with composite cables. Um, and when you can get the chrominescence, the luminescence, and the black and white like separated, um, it does it does uh, kind of make the pixels look better. It's similar to what they do with emulation, where emulated games just look better uh, uh, or sharper, shall I say. Not necessarily better. They look sharper. So that's all it is. Um, but anyway, um, all right, well, I guess we should jump into none other than, uh, Spyro. (laughs) Hey, 
Yeah. Well, uh, so, Jam, I'm curious. Um, yeah. Before we jump into Spyro proper, do you know the story of uh, the early days of Insomniac? Uh, well, I knew that it starts off with just two people. Um, it did. Yes. With Ted Price and his buddy from college or something. So. Something like that. But, well, it wasn't, they, it wasn't straight away, but it was like, I know Ted Price was the, the first guy. Ted Price um, was the founder and CEO, and mm-hmm. um, he found Al Hastings, um, who has mm-hmm. uh, basically been the chief architect and the lead designer from day one. So he's from Princeton or something. University both from college. Princeton. Oh, they're both. Yeah, that's that's why that's why I got the link from. Yeah, they're both from the same college. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, basically, Ted Price graduated Princeton, I think, in '92. Mm-hmm. He was working at a medical company and really not enjoying himself, <laughs> and uh, decides to make Insomniac Games. Puts out a job posting, and Al Hastings, also from Princeton and was really uh, good at uh, uh, computer coding, was in the graduating class and decided to grab a job uh, working there. And thus, uh, Insomniac was born. Um, but, and uh, anyway. he his brother on board or something. Yes, 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 yes. Um, trying to remember what Al's brother's name is. I don't have it. Let me look it up. Well, I know about him. Brian Hastings. That's it. But he was he was he like majored in English English literature and mathematics, and he had nothing no sort of experience coding for. Yeah, no, he was good at like physics stuff, and he was good with the writing. But uh, mm-hmm. again, I don't. I think he was more of a business guy. Yeah, I want to say he was more of a business guy. Although part of me isn't quite sure how much uh, Ted Price is anything but a business guy. But who knows? Mm. Uh, but uh, anyway, the real law. Uh, the real. Um, short story is yes that was how insomniac was founded in 94 Um, but what's interesting is how insomniac is one of those uh kind of like core playstation one like yeah uh they're not first party they're true blue third party and insomniac themselves have remained fiercely independent people have always Mm. thought of insomniac as a sony studio because they've only been on sony platforms however (laughs) insomniac has never been owned or operated by any member of sony or had any control they can do whatever they want which is why their newest game is on the xbox one um but uh yeah yeah they uh they are one of the big mascot characters, but much like we've heard, we, we know with the Crash Bandicoot, and if you've not heard it, we did the original Crash Bandicoot Game Club, which talks a lot about the founding of Naughty Dog. Um, you know, uh, they were part of this uh, group of uh, the, the Universal Studios group that was taking games from the 32X and the 3DO, because Spyro yeah. did start life, or no, Disruptor, which we'll talk about in a sec, yeah. started life on the 3DO. It was eventually moved by the choice of Universal from the dead 3DO um, over to (laughs) the PS1. Uh, Well, at the same time, Rayman was brought from the dead um, 32X to the dead Jaguar to the dead (laughs) 3DO. Or to the dead play or the the very live PlayStation One, they stupidly released a Jaguar version, but uh, yeah. that was not what was going to make their money. And Crash Bandicoot was a 32x title yep. at the beginning. And if you look at some of those early animations of Crash Bandicoot, you can definitely see its 32x jagginess roots. Um, but uh, anyway, so yeah, so they decided to uh, to make this game. 
called Disruptor. Why? Because they were big Doom nerds. And every person who played (laughs) video games, PC games especially back in the day, could not get enough of Doom in the early 90s. In 1994, Doom 2 owned the world. (laughs) I even talk about it on that episode. There's Doom games and then there's... Doom clones. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it was like so widely regarded that uh, I talk about it on that Doom clone episode, which was called NODC, I think. Not another Doom clone. NOADC. But uh, um, it was like, it was okay. Like, it didn't go yeah. after anybody. They were like, yeah, of course they're cloning our game because it's awesome. Um, and so they decided to make Disruptor out of the blue. Um, Al Hastings did make his own engine for it, though. And uh, made stuff look, huh? Wasn't that Insomniac called something different, Star Wars? Oh yes, they were titles. originally Extreme Software. That's it. They had to change it because of legal. The problem well, was there was a database company called yeah. Extreme Software, <laughs> of course, and yeah. they showed off um, Disruptors demo at uh, at E three ninety five, and they got a cease and desist. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, but. Uh, uh, so they were they were about to um, uh, what was it? They, it was something about they were about to be Ragnarok Software, which was like a Cat's Cradle reference, and then they were gonna be like I'm, Moon Turtle I, or something. Yes, I'm, yes, I'm weird. Uh, and I don't even think they've ever revealed why they were gonna call themselves Moon Turtle. But uh, anyway, um, I guess what had happened was uh, that, you know, Ted was just going nuts and, and out of, uh, you know, one of his late nights of trying to figure it out, he chose the title Insomniac. Uh, and one way or the other, through enough arguing and probably the fact that he founded the damn company, um, mm. it became Insomniac Games. So, anyway. And their because first game... no sleep. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Well, and, and they've always been a small studio. Uh, Disruptor yeah. was made by five guys... Yeah. Maybe six. Um, and did you have you played Disruptor? I haven't, but I've I'm, no, I have played it, but only only very briefly. <laughs> so. Okay, yeah, it's a it's a early Doom clone, you know, on mm. the title. I think it came out in '96. Yeah, it's an early title as well. Yeah, yeah, it came out in '96, and uh, and it, it got really good reviews. It yeah. just performed like shit. It didn't and, sell at all. Yeah, sorry, that's what I meant. Financially, it performed like shit. Apparently, going back to it, it's a pretty cool title, and you can mm-hmm. find it for eh, between eight and fifteen bucks online. Um, so I've not tried it. Uh, I did drop by my Ma and Pa store at lunch today, yeah. and uh, lo and behold, they had a copy for four ninety nine. So oh, I brilliant. picked it up. So <laughs> sold. <laughs> I might play that along with the. Uh, I still haven't done uh, uh, the. Uh, what was it? Slasher. X. Uh, hold on. Uh, <laughs> Slasher. Oh, well, no, it's that. that it's that Beats of Rage thing. Um, oh yeah, Beats of Rage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Night Slashers X. So I need to record that as well. So those might be the retro game night. But anyway, um, and uh, and basically the whole reason that they started on the 3DO was because um, dev kits on the PlayStation weren't even available unless you were asked in, and dev kits on the 3DO was eight grand. So pretty easy. Um, anyway, when they got moved over, uh, and, and they released Disruptor, uh, the one plus side they got was that it got a lot of attention up to and including, um, Mr. Uh, uh, oh, what's his face from, uh, who made, uh, fucking Doom, uh, John Romero, John Romero, not Karnak, not Karnak, not the, not, no, the hair. 
John Romero's, <laughs> yeah. John Romero's hair, his lovely locks showed up and he was like, hey, it's a cool game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. And they were like, we're on to something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, so they decided they wanted to make um, another game. Oh, by the way, I've been told the best parts about Disruptor is that all of the cutscenes are live action. Yeah. They and are, they were yeah. directed by the chick who directed Twilight. Which, if I'm getting <laughs> Twilight quality on these cutscenes, <laughs> this is going to be better than any Red Alert game has ever been. So, I'm in. Uh, but uh, I think I'm going to have to drink when I play this, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. But uh, anyway. So, <clears throat> they moved on to their next game. They wanted it to come out. They wanted it to come out quick. And they did not want to do a shooter. And what they came up with was uh, they had recently seen, I think it was Al Hastings. Mm-hmm. Had recently seen um, uh, 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 Dragonheart, the Sean Connery movie. Oh, have really? you seen this movie? Yeah. I have, yeah. And they, they thought of this really dark story where you control a dragon and, you know, kind of plague a city and whatnot. And it was supposed to be just like kind of the, the tough world of like a lone dragon. And uh, lo and behold, what had happened was... Um, couple things. One, Mark Cerny, uh, who was the head of Universal at the time, uh, you know, saw things uh, or decided that uh, since since Sony was so interested in mascots because their polygon man or whatever was terrible, um, Mm -hmm. that uh, it was good to have like a lineup of mascots and Universal was going to lead that brigade. Crash Bandicoot was well liked and they were looking for other ideas. So he wanted to kind of cute some things up and he definitely worked as a producer and an assistant on the Spyro games. And if you aren't familiar with a lot of Cerny's work from Crash Bandicoot to um, stuff like that, uh, he likes it. He like it. He likes it cute and cartoony. Mm-hmm. Um, he also uh, was responsible, I believe for Jersey devil Blasto and medieval. So that gives you a good feel for him. Also, Al Hastings had come up with this awesome open world engine, which again, yeah, they borrow heavily in their early careers, Insomniac does, and some would argue they still do. Um, there's still traces of other games. They've never really had a truly unique game. There, I said it. Uh, Ratchet and Clank is not a unique idea. It's just the guns are. Um, hmm. Let's face it, Resistance is a derivative of Halo or various other sci-fi shooters, and even Sunset Overdrive, to a certain extent, uh, is, is is very... You know, you can think of a handful of games, including Jet Set Radio, that, that it really borrows from. But anyway, so they wanted to make like a Mario 64 style thing because that was the benchmark. And PlayStation didn't really have anything like that. So Al Hastings made this awesome engine with lots of draw distance and wide vistas and a controllable camera, which was weird because the DualShock controller wasn't out yet. So yeah. you didn't quite have dual analogs yet. Um, L1 and R1 buttons. Yeah, which I actually kind of like. Out of yeah. all the weird yeah. 3D things i really dig it um but ironically enough the reason spyro came about was they said this is much better for a cartoony setting than a realistic setting and we need spyro to be um like a ball it had to do with some of the physics and stuff and Mm. so the only way you were going to get away with that was like a baby cartoon dragon so that's why spyro is what he is 
Um, and with it, they could do lots of fun things that Mario really couldn't do, such as, you know, the whole flying and breathing fire and projectiles and things like that, which I never thought about it, but I guess Mario does not use projectiles in Mario 64. So there you go. Uh, yeah, that's... Yeah. Uh, I, I never thought that. about it till <laughs> I... Yeah, right? Um, his ass gets burnt all the time. Of course. And others uh, yeah. shoot projectiles at him, but he himself does not use it. So Spiral ganked that shit, too. Mm. Um and thus, uh, Spyro was made. Uh, it was made in about a year. Came out in when did the original Spyro come out? Ninety eight. Okay, yeah, September ninety eight, October twenty third, ninety eight for you all, Brits. Um, yeah. And yeah, <laughs> you didn't have to wait that long. Japan didn't get it till ninety nine. I know. So. Yeah. Oh, we got to talk about a Japanese version at some point. <laughs> we well, yeah, we'll get into it real quick. So anyway, so thus Spyro is born. Um, I think you pretty much. I think you pretty much covered it. Or I'm, I was just flying through my notes, and you pretty much just mirrored everything I wrote down. <laughs> so, yeah, sorry. No, no, um, no, no. Also, no, no, if you want to read up more about um, Insomniac, I was going to do a know this developer, mm-hmm. and then I found an awesome IGN article uh, that was written, uh, which I like them because they've got a lot of money. And so they yeah. use it to actually interview and find the story behind developers. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, there's this great six-page article that was written by Colin Moriarty um, called uh, "The uh, Always Independent, The Story of Insomniac Games. And it was so good that – and everything I'd read otherwise was just derivatives of this. There was one guy who did a YouTube video who almost quite literally read the article – while overlaying Insomniac game footage. And I was like, Jesus, how has how IGN not sued you guys yet? No, no, yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, but yeah. So And Lolbot says spherical collision is easier mathematically. That's why. Yes, exactly. Um, so anyway, you can check out that article if you're interested in more about Insomniac. I just don't want to rewrite what's already been done. So I'll, I'll give them some impressions on that one. But anyway. Um, so yeah, so Spyro 1... So, uh, anything you want to say about it? Like, uh, um, when you said the Japanese version, I've never played yeah. the Japanese version. Are you talking about the box art? I'm talking about the box art. It has to be okay. the box art because it's it's kind of like um, some people quote it as the reverse Kirby effect. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Where um, over over here, because we got the same box art as um, as you guys in the US. Where Spyro has this kind of like like kind of his eyes are kind of like you know he's got this expression where he's, he's like kind of semi angry in a way. Or yes, kind of like, he's, um, uh, he, he means business. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he he's quite an interesting cat here. Uh, for those in the chat, we'll show. Yeah, he's like, bring he's, it on. He's mischievous. He's like a bad boy, which is kind of what they were going for. He's kind of that, that's why. And then they go over to Japan, and then Spyro turns into this cute little cuddly dragon. <laughs> it's just uh, he's got very nice, big, much so. eyes. <laughs> trying to see where is the original spyro there it is yeah he actually looks like he's scared of everybody yeah pretty much and 
in the um in the US and UK versions, he's voiced um oh well I've got the who's the voice actor who does Spyro? I'd write it down. Um, it's it's male, but it's man. But in in Japan, it's a female voice actress. Of course it well. is. Of course. <laughs> and 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 just so people are clear, we are where Elijah Wood will later take on the reins of the yeah, voice, but that's not now. <laughs> and he Carlos won't be brought up. Salve- yeah, I can't do it. I'm not very good at these names. Uh, Carlos Salas uh, Raki voices Spyro in the first game, and he also did Crash Bandicoot. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah, I thought I recognized him with the whole. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Ricky. Like, it made me laugh when they said he also voiced about Crash Bandicoot. I'm like, what do you mean, the sound effects? Yes. <laughs> 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 he doesn't stop. He doesn't talk. No, he does. <laughs> Now, if he was the fucking Tiki guy, that'd be completely different. I know. <laughs> but, uh, anyway. Um, but, uh, yeah. And, of course, uh, this game is most notably for being PlayStation's answer to Mario 64. And we'll talk about yeah. this in a sec, but I think that's very spot on. Although it is a very distinct game from Mario 64. But I can definitely see where they're going with that. Um, also, the music. Very widely regarded. It's kind of one of the biggest things we had brought up to us uh, when we did this show, which is why the show may take a little longer to go live because I'm going to have to work on it and integrate some sounds. So I'm sorry, guys, if uh, the show doesn't go live on GH101 until more like tomorrow night or possibly even Thursday, but I Mm -hmm. promise to get it live as soon as possible. And I'm not going to do anything crazy, but I'm probably going to do a handful of tracks for each. Um, But Stuart Copeland, the uh, drummer for the police, is uh, responsible for the music. So, Oh, Tom Kenny is SpongeBob. Ah, that I get. Totally that's, in the next, that. that's in the next one. Uh, so, um, but, but, um, Stuart Copeland, go back to him with the music. Um, interesting. I don't know. Did you, I don't know if you read this in the development of uh, Insomniac, <laughs> but he, he actually did play the game quite a lot before coming up with the score. So he played oh, for each no, level several times, um, to, to, before he came up with what, what he came up with. So he put a lot of thought into it and he even actually put some of his music that he did for Spyro on some of his later albums. <laughs> I know he did sell it to uh, the Amanda Show. Yeah, that's one of them. But there's also on some of his actual um, music yeah, he released. Yeah, it's on the yeah. Stuart Copeland anthology. Mm-hmm. They refer to it as Rain. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, and it is a cool soundtrack. Um, it's it's as unique as Crash Bandicoot, but it's also I think a lot more likable. Like Crash Bandicoot is not something you'd pop on in the in, in the car. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> Especially in rush hour traffic. But anyway, yeah. But anyway, and I'd never played these games until now. Um, I've played actually. I've played all three of them um, very closely because um, did, did you, uh, you must have had some form of official PlayStation magazine over in America or some sort. Yes, um, it was called the PlayStation. Which is how it's called Underground. We had you um, are not ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like like the crash, like the We had the official PlayStation, uh, play, say PlayStation Two, PlayStation magazine before it was called the PS One. So it's just the PlayStation magazine, mm-hmm. and they came with demo discs for every single issue, and um, every single Spyro game was demoed. So I did play pretty much the demo of every all three Spyro games before before they were even released. Wasn't there I a, think I, a deal with Spyro where you could unlock the full game, or was that's that... right? Wasn't that uh, this one, or was that a different game? It was oh, no, you're thinking of Crash Spyro. Bash. It was Crash Bash, okay. <laughs> That's it. But it was, they didn't discover that until a lot later. You could actually unlock the full game on the demo disc. <laughs> okay, yeah, 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 yeah. They found oh, well, that eight and, years later. And actually, Spyro, uh, if you press a certain bun- button combination of the title screen of all three Spyro games, 
you unlock demos for we've got crash bandicoot yeah, yeah i think it's the first one's L1, crash team Triangle. racing mm-hmm. the second one's crash three and the third game year of the dragon unlocks crash bash not the full game just the no, no. demo just the demos <laughs> as it was intended but because Universal Studios obviously owned the licenses to both these games, in, they obviously had some crossovers. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So let's jump into talking about Spyro the Dragon. Um, yeah, I don't know why I skipped it in the PlayStation days. Probably because I was a teenager. I was 16. Mm. I was playing Resident Evil. I didn't have time for fucking Spyro, which is weird because I would have still been like, Mario 64 is the greatest fucking game of all time if you had asked me like back then. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, um, but uh, yeah, getting into it, I was very surprised with a couple of things. Like we've talked about the draw distance, um, the smoothness of the controls. It's very responsive. Um, mm-hmm. Spyro's a little awkward in how he controls, but for a 3D plane with no analog, it's like the best controlling of these games. Like you, you have some really good firm control over what he does. Um, he is very different from Mario though. And I think my biggest problem at the beginning was I tried to play him like Mark. Yeah. Excuse me. Like Mario, uh, double jumps are not your friend unless you're trying to reach an immediate height. Whereas with Mario, you could use it to get like farther. He had this forward momentum Spyro. You're going to coast. He's got kind of a float option Mm. and, uh, you're constantly descending, uh, to the point that, oh, yes, and you also don't want to run and jump off a platform. Uh, you want to uh, leap it first and then, you know, get to the height of your leap That's before yeah. floating. If you try to run off of it and use that momentum, the Spyro engine doesn't work that way. So, but I don't know. Uh, what are your thoughts about kind of how this game uh, kind of plays? Well, uh, uh, the game, I found it to start with to be kind of like a bit floaty. You know, you felt like kind of like Spyro was just, I know, I know you can glide anyway, but just his like kind of like just floating around the map, really. Um, right. You really didn't half feel that he was on four legs. It's one of my first impressions. And he's not, <laughs> in fact, as we just covered. He's actually yeah. a ball that happens to have legs attached. Um, but yeah. Um, it's it's one of those it's um his he has two D controls on a three D plane. So when I say two D, um remember when I was talking about this last week with um Crimson Butterfly where you could choose to have three D controls like the turret controls. Right. Where you have two D controls. So basically when I say two D to people are listening audience, when you press up you will go basically whatever up is on the map, but on the mm-hmm. on the plane that Spyro is sitting on. A bit like well going back to the ball mechanics, it kinda of makes sense with that mechanic actually. But I found that sometimes this was a massive battle with the camera, because you might be sort of charging, and this is more noticeable when you got to like the boss encounters. You might be charging towards the camera and then you might want to change your direction, but then you're it, it used to really confuse me and I think the game as well when you're pressing sort of up, but the game would actually go somewhere else because it was thinking because of where the camera was positioned. Yes, yes. Uh, and, and you do have to kind of play the camera. I give it a little bit of a pass because Mario 64, which a lot of people love that camera, um, was very similar. Uh, sometimes mm. you're fighting Mario 64's camera, and they always like to cheat and go, well, Lakitu couldn't get a good angle at you. Man, fuck Lakitu. Like, yeah, he could have. It was just not as good of a camera. Um, but yes, I understand that. And there are some times in Spyro, I'm not going to lie, especially the first game, where I'm flying literally blind. Like, I'm leaping at the screen or something. Uh, There were a lot of areas it seemed like I couldn't get to. Uh, And you can, but you really got to kind of cheat the the plane of the horizon. Mm. Did you notice that? Like, Especially if you're going for 100%. 
you have to kind of do some weird it's almost like a puzzle for how the hell do i get up there mm-hmm. so i but... think that's even more notable in sort of the second game yeah 100 yeah well and again in the first game it's it rips off mario pretty bad you oh, down yeah. to you are walking through portals in an open hub world <laughs> that yep. lead and to other level. worlds there is a snow <laughs> level there is always a snow level <laughs> um but uh but yeah i mean and for the most part the platforming was pretty nice there were there weren't really a lot of pits in spyro um you know what I mean? Like, you couldn't really fall in endless pits. If you well, did... Well, you had the water problem. I mean, you, you, the, the Spyro was well, kind of generous. dragons can't swim, silly. Apparently. Yeah. But, so, yeah. but it was weird, wasn't it? Because you hit the water, but you could. If you quickly jumped, you could jump out of it, but you'd lose, like... You, you, we haven't really talked about it, but you could, you'd lose a little bar of your health. Your health is basically your dragonfly, which is sparks, and you get kind of free hits before you're done. <laughs> Yes, and then there are animals you can burn, turn them into <laughs> bugs, brilliant. and he eats yeah. them. I thought that was pretty funny. They're always little cute little animals as well. It's like you have to brutally murder. You so. can brutally burn down like a bunny with mm-hmm. the big pouty eyes. I do love that sound effect, and I can't replicate it here, Of uh, that you hear when uh, when your dragonfly, when Sparks goes and eats somebody. Yeah. Fantastic! Oh. <laughs> it's like it's because it, he like leads up a sound to it right before he does it. It's pretty good. Mm. But um, anyway, uh, and for the most part, all the hub worlds were the same. There's yeah. one exception, um, but uh, which we'll talk about in a sec. But uh, I don't know. For the most part, the hub worlds were the same. Occasionally, one of the worlds would be a boss battle, and. Uh, you know, basically the the idea was this this gnome named Gnork just uh, just kind of. Dra- I say that because it starts with the a G. Silent. Yeah, I'm aware <laughs> of that. Anyway, so Nork shows up and he basically Nork. encases all of the dragons of the world in stone, and so mm-hmm. you're basically on a never ending fetch quest to uh, free all the dragons. Turns out there are only fifty in the dragon world, um, fifty plus Spyro. Um, but, uh, uh, and, and then along the way you'll collect jewels, which don't have a whole lot of use with the air balloon guy. They can kind of tweak when you can go where, um, I thought the air balloon guy, you had to just save the dragons. That's it. You do in the first part. And then the second part, you have to have a certain number of gems. He has different requirements to move on. And that's kind of how they gate it so that you get a decent enough completion. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the end, you uh, you also have um, the eggs you're collecting, which are only required to get the real ending. Yep. Um, and uh, and that's about it. However, probably your biggest challenge, and for me, one of the most fun parts of a- every Spyro the Dragon game, all three of them had it, is the flying levels. Really? The timed flying levels. <laughs> I'm guessing these are the biggest fucking pain in your ass. Yeah, I can stand the flying I'm levels. I'm betting almost everybody <laughs> feels that way. I am a persistent cuss, and I like the idea that you a- you absolutely have to perfect these. Mm. Like, when you get done with them, you're like, fuck you! Yeah! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. For me, they were high risk, high reward. They, they were the closest thing to Dark Souls I'll ever experience. <laughs> I guess one thing we should probably mention in, in Fire's favor, this was with all games, the loading times are pretty quick for this game. Yes, yes. Whether we- you're playing them natively on the PS1 
mm. or on the PSP with sped up load times. If you do it on PSP with sped up load times, it's even quicker. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, clearly, but like it's it's almost like you don't realize you're playing a game with load times, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's good so, and and it's it's useful, especially for those yeah. flying levels, because you will die a lot. Yes. Well, you'll be you'll be constant repetition. Like, you just you'll be like, oh, just one more go, one more go. Yeah, well, because these <laughs> levels are just so people know. You basically are flying around. You are given a time limit every time you touch a certain item, and you have to collect four different items. There are eight of each item, and you have to collect all of them. You only wow. get what you just, you just collect them. Some of them you have to refire at stuff. Or you have to break yeah, them to... and stuff like that. Yeah. Although, isn't that is that in the first game? Yeah, I guess that. Yeah, is yeah, the yeah. First it game. is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You, you can see the fire on them, touch them. Uh, of course, if you hit the water, you fall. If you hit something, you fall. If you if run you out of time. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you basically have to do a perfect run plus yeah. figure out your route and nothing's explained to you. Absolutely. Um, so, again, those are as much or as little as you uh, kind of depending on what you want to make of them. Um, and I'm not going to apologize for them. You either like them or you don't. But uh, mm-hmm. They will continue throughout the series and be either the plus or the bane of your existence. Um, they get easier. <laughs> they really do, don't they? they do, the first yeah. one was the real bear. But um, they might. I don't know if that's just because we played them in order or if we got better or if it's because they are. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Maybe it. I think it is they got easier because they there's a lot more uniqueness to the sequels. Um, this is a pretty straightforward game with a charge and a fire mechanic and mm-hmm. some jumping. I should also point out there, uh, an interesting part of the float mechanic is that anytime you can press triangle and you'll suddenly drop out of the sky, um, mm-hmm. which is actually necessary to get through certain parts. So yeah. Um, thank you Fortinguard for bringing that up. But, uh, anyway, um, and basically that's it. I mean, there are lots of different levels. There's the fun little swamp level. The boss battles are pretty boring to they're me in this first one. In the first one right because they're I, just... I didn't even think they were boss battles i thought they were just sort of... well they're levels that have you fighting a person but uh mm. yeah usually it's an obstacle course followed by a guy you've got to fight and you can like accidentally like beat the characters mm. you know what i mean like there's no puzzle to them there's no secret to them or anything like that a lot of them are just kind of like you're chasing them down you you refire up their ass and then they run yeah. away for a bit and then you wash rinse repeat and there's that's no exception with Nork. Uh, at the end, Nork is just one bitch of a. He oh, yeah. does the spiral downward kind of slope at the end. Yeah, there, and he kept falling off of it because the camera and the controls and everything yeah. are just not precise enough for what they really want you to do. But you'll get through it. <laughs> that, that that last boss battle was nice. But before that, we should mention you have those fucking annoying and not really enemies those things that have the dragon eggs those little turban whatever they are oh the blue guys that you yeah and that one's just uh that's again just knowing the route it is but i think that's kind of what nasty at least his like one of his um the bit where you're chasing him down you have to have like precise precision you have to and sometimes you'll be rotating through that whole area like three times before you get to him and it's like good lord it takes a while yeah, for some reason I didn't have a problem with all this. Maybe I'm just real tolerant to bullshit. I was gonna say, you, you say you're bad at games, Fred, but it sounds like you didn't. <laughs> you kind of flew through this game. So. Uh, I didn't fly through it. I'm just persistent. It yeah. actually probably took me like eight hours to 100% this game. Mm. So, uh, and I don't know for sure. I was playing it on the PSP, and I was playing it at lunch breaks, and so I just didn't care how long it took me to beat this game. Yeah, um, and maybe that's what you need. 
You know, maybe this yeah. is one of those games, the first one specifically, where you have to be portable just because you have to not care about, you know, mm. what you're getting to next or what you could be playing. And I got to tell you, up against, you know, Bayonetta 2, yeah, it's hard to justify playing a Spyro, <laughs> uh, the classic Spyro. Uh, I can... And 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 Fortingard saying the boss uh, designs were pretty cute. Yeah, I gotta say a, a lot of the character yeah. designs in this were great. Um, they were like these twisted fairy tale kind of designs, almost simplistic. Um, well, yeah, yeah, nice big old chunky polygons. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and yeah, once you get everything, uh, well, you can beat Nork the gnome. And I'm trying to remember <laughs> what the bad ending is. It's not really a bad ending. It's just the, the the ending one is just you defeat Nork and that's kind of it. And then you have he gets Spyro gets interviewed, but then he gets told, "Oh, but you haven't finished saving all the dragons." Oh, yet, that's Spyro. right. Yeah, and he's doing like a doesn't he talk <laughs> to a reporter or something? He's got the shades on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then the real ending is you get one hundred percent and you yeah. play the flying level, uh, uh, gone gone away or fly fly away or something. And did that, you yeah. do this? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. Um, it's a somewhat annoying level and you don't really get too much to it. It just has a much more celebratory, like, yeah, you did it, Spyro, things like that. Congratulations. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Congratulations, Spyro. You're the greatest. You're almost a dragon, but not yet, you know, and, uh, and things like that. And I can't remember, I don't think they hint at the sequel. No, no, there's no hints for sequel. Um, the sequel is already in development at this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sequel will come out less than a year later. Yep. Um, but uh, I think what Spyro really was was a proof of concept. It did very well financially and critic-wise. And uh, Spyro officially became the number two mascot of Sony. Although that may be marketing speak because Universal just happened to have the number one and tethered Spyro. But Spyro works very well as a mascot for the PlayStation, in my opinion. Um, he kind of exemplifies the the diversity of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, like a sheep on stilts dressed like a spooky scarecrow with a scythe. Yeah, I do remember that level. <laughs> Um, it's very charming. The game in and yeah. of itself is very charming. Um, I think the hard time for me is without nostalgia, and I could see how this would totally, like, if this was from your childhood, you'd start playing and be like, ah, oh, yeah. Especially <laughs> if you've played the sequels and you know what I didn't know, which was that they just get better the farther you go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, but for me it was hard. It It seemed very standard shall i say but i don't have the luxury of being there in 98 when aside from nintendo consoles platformers were scarce um and uh and so it's you know hard for me to do at the at that point but uh but i see the draw and i definitely enjoyed myself and i beat it 100 percent. so there you go I had the, I certainly had the nostalgia for it because I did, I did rent the game from Blockbuster when it was released back in the East, the first one I did. Um, but I, I think for some, I guess because I, I'm not as old as you, Fred, but, um, I guess I, I was kind of going off platformers at that, at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I was more, again, kind of like you, I, 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 I was into Resident Evil and things like that. So, I guess the more the more adult games, which is what the PlayStation was well known for, I was still more hooked on them. I did, I did, I liked Spyro a lot though. Um, for the back in the time, I just wasn't sort of like mad about it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, th- I always preferred it to Crash Bandicoot, though. I mean, Crash Bandicoot was one, nostalgically, back in the day, I was just like, meh, it's all right. <laughs> See, I loved Crash back in the day. I have no idea why. And replaying it for the game club, I was like, what the fuck was I thinking? Man, <laughs> yeah. like, the end of that game is brutal. And then it's, uh, I should it's point so out, Spyro's hard. not that hard. Crash no. is very hard. That's all, you yeah, get to the comparison. You get to the end of Crash, and they're like, "But you didn't get the 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 diamonds in every level and collect the special side diamonds and jewels." Yeah. And you're like, "Fuck you!" So uh, this was easier. This was just persistence. The only thing yeah. stopping you from 100%ing Spyro is that you gave up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It might be worth pointing out as well is the um, a, a similarity. I, I think it, it is the remember like Ban, you remember Banjo Kazooie with that uh-huh. that has the whole heavy collecting. In Spyro, once you collect, even if you collect like a gem, a gem is like the sort of the notes in all oh, the, the jaggies. The, yeah, they're literally you, called jaggies. Yeah, yeah, but ev- everything is banked once you've placed it. Even sort of gems, dragon oh, age. Yeah. If, if you lose all your lives, um, you 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 don't lose you anything. Still have that progress. You just, you, yeah, and the same is true for Spyro. Mm-hmm. Oh, but in in Crash, you lose it all. In Bad Dragon, yeah, you lose it. You know, you have that if you die, um, you'll say, "Oh, your best note score was 50, and you have to collect them all over again to get 100, percent mm-hmm. which made it quite difficult. But they don't do that in Spyro. Spyro, Spyro really does make things a lot more simple for you. So it is exactly as you say that the only thing restricting you is if you just you know just give up, really. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, and there Sparks are, yeah. goes and finds gems for you. He doesn't go far, but he'll no, no. Out but to you. there's a there's a decent re- there's de- decent incentive to keep him alive because <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, he's, he's like an automatic collecting machine. Yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, anything you want to say um, about Spyro before we go into the sequel? Um, there was something I wanted to say, but I've just I've lost it. It was on my notes, but um. I, I mean, well, actually, you yeah, know, this is it. Um, in the UK, Spyro One didn't actually review very well, Fred. It wasn't, and it was reviewed okay, but I do remember it actually getting heavily criticised because it was simple. So people mm-hmm. actually, people said in reviews that, oh, you know, this game. A lot of people said this game is for kids, even though it was marketed towards families, not really kids. It's marketed for everybody. Um, uh, and a lot of people did criticise it heavily, but that did not stop it from selling well. It did sell very well in the UK. Um, but but it didn't make any difference anyway because um, um, Universal had well in some way it could tie into a contract with Universal that for free games regardless whatever happened really so, right 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 yeah well it um, reviewed in the upper nine eights and lower nines here so mm, I uh, remember seeing some sixes for it there you yeah. go mm. well pff, Edge Magazine hates everything anyway but anyway yeah. So, um, all right, so then we move into the sequel. Which, depending on where you live, you got a different impression of oh, each one. Yeah. So, of course, in America, it was Ripto's Rage. Yeah. We'll talk about Ripto in a second. 
in Europe, it was Spyro 2 Gateway to Glimmer. Gateway to Glimmer. <laughs> because you do go to Glimmer, and Glimmer is such a wonderful place, isn't it? And then in Japan, it's, it's Spyro Type Sparks Tandemo Tours. So, that was so racist. Anyway, um, Spyro X Sparks Tandemo Tours. Uh, I don't even know why it would be called that. Well, it's interesting to note, though, Fred, that the name Ripto um, comes from the how the Japanese spelling in, of Spyro in Japanese, it looked like it spelled Ripto It looked there. like Ripto. Yeah, yeah. I've got, if you go back and look at the box art I put in the chat, guys, um, yeah, it, it looks like it's Ripto the dragon. Um, so, And I think that's awesome. Yeah, uh, it is. It's, it's an awesome, like, kind of campy joke. Uh, <laughs> so... Um, is that one of those things that's like well known? Uh, no, I don't know. If it is well known actually. Okay. I mean, I, mean, I, I knew about it. So a friend of mine told me, but um, it, it may or may not be. I don't think it's. But we'll, we'll find out. Maybe the listeners will give some feedback. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give some credit to Vaughn because you mentioned this earlier. But um, in the set in this game, Spyro was voiced by Tom Kenny, who was SpongeBob. So right, um, right. So the Crash Bandicoot guy was not there anymore because there there is a there is a he- unlike the first game where there. Uh, the story was very brief in that first game. It was very sort of just quick, like, oh, go save the dragons, that's it, and get out of the They really upped the ante of the story here. They really put more depth into it and kind of more cutscenes and more voice acting. So they, they obviously wanted to probably get someone on board that um, was going to – would do a better – not I'm not trying to criticize the guy who does Crash Bandicoot, but <laughs> so – which I'm probably going to completely shit on him now. But maybe they just wanted a guy that was better for just the vo- like um, speech voice work or something rather than noises. So. I get that. I get that. So, well, so Ripto is not, in fact, Spyro. Uh, okay. He is actually um, – oh, we'll talk about that in a second, Ty- Tiger Claw. <laughs> but uh, Ripto – is actually a, uh, <laughs> I guess he's a dinosaur. I don't know. He is referred to as a rhinoceros riptosaurus. Or he's something. a small fellow with a small horn at the top of his head. Yes, he's a very small, he, he's got a Napoleon complex yes. is what we'll basically say. And um, a professor uh, ends up sucking both Ripto and Spyro into the world of uh, Avalar. Mm-hmm. where uh, a person like me loves the fact that you get to interact with a bunch of anthropomorphic animals. Of Woo! <laughs> anthropomorphic animals are the best. Um, but uh, anyway, um, and thus begat uh, Spyro 2, uh, or Spyro and Sparks, um, which uh, kind of at face value, right when you start it off, um, kind of starts to walk, talk, and act like the original. However, it does look a lot better, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the graphics engine is updated. Yeah, uh, I think uh, everything handles a little bit better. Spyro definitely is a everything little smoother. Um, it's not as floaty. Yeah. Um, but you quickly find out it's not the same. Um, there are side quests in this yep. game. Um, <laughs> There are different ways to get into levels. Those goddamn flying levels are still there, but uh, <laughs> and Spyro gets new—he's upgradable in this yep. game. <laughs> so I don't know. Is there anything you want to say? Just kind of determining the initial gameplay. Well, yeah. I mean, when I first played this, it definitely it felt like a huge improvement. It just felt smoother. Uh, just controlling Spyro, just like, sort of less, just less like you're battling. With the unless like well they still have the camera issues which I personally feel there was yeah. just a problem with all the series but, mm-hmm. but but then again but then again I make it sound it's like a limitation I'm, of the PlayStation 
yeah it is i make it sound like i'm shitting on but it's it's a minor problem compared to how fun these games are really they're still completely playable um the I, it felt bigger. I don't know if you felt this way, Fred, but I I, I felt I think that it the, is bigger. Yeah, the, the 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 sort of the worlds just kind of looks more open. It's, yeah, and then. it's more diverse. Um, you're doing different things for different people, different strokes yeah. for different folks. Um, I do like that in each game world or sorry, game world in each world you go <laughs> yeah. into. There's like a theme. Oh, yes, and awesome. there are new yeah. anthropomorphic animals oh, that you help out. There are minor mice and there are, you know, uh, fish. You can swim in this fucking game. Finally. <laughs> that was and a huge so, improvement. <laughs> yeah, there are characters I hate. Fuck Mr. Moneybags. <laughs> yep. I hate every square inch of him. Um, the hub world is extremely large. Like to yeah, to huge. navigate it, you don't even know if you found levels. You kind of like stumble upon them. That's I don't it. know. Yeah, I don't know if that was your experience, but yeah, I felt like I stumbled upon all the levels. Mm. Um, everything was cumulative, and it did something. Like not only were you collecting stuff, but you were collecting stuff for a purpose. Yeah, um, the, the gems had a huge purpose this time because they unlocked the new moves, and you needed that. The to... new moves and certain areas, Mister Moneybags would block those out for you. The different moves would unlock even newer areas as you get mm -hmm. to places. Um, so yeah, uh, there were three main hubs inside of Avalar. There was uh, what was it the like the autumn the yeah the autumn plains the uh, plains. summer forest and what was the last one the winter winter plains or something like winter yeah the winter plains the winter, winter glades or something I don't know <laughs> yeah the winter frost I don't remember the the winter iceberg although it wasn't an iceberg <laughs> but yeah and and each of those kind of went out so I I loved that about it it had real boss battles it had yeah, smart boss, boss battles that was good as well. I really dug the boss battles. Yeah. Um, They're fun. Ripto wasn't the best of the boss battles, but he was kind right. of a somewhat force to be reckoned with. Uh, none of them were really the... particularly hard, but you had to kind of figure them out. Mm. Well, I was going to say, Ripto was the typical kind of like end of boss battle. You think you defeated him, but oh no, there's another hole. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> can you get the 100%? No fuckers, I can't. So that was how we left that. Um, and aside from that, the, uh, so the flying mechanic does come back. Oh, and there's some talk, uh, Fortingard jokingly says Ripto's a butthurt dinosaur midget and Tiger Claw says he's a dragon actually. Oh, well, fuck me. Um, yeah. but, uh, what a weird looking dragon. I know. Right? <laughs> uh, but, uh, and what was, there was another thing Tiger Claw talked about. Oh, Spyro needs to make a comeback. We will discuss that at the end of the episode. Yeah. Uh, cause I disagree. Um, but, uh, <laughs> anyway, um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I just liked a lot of the aspects. Uh, it, it just felt like a more fleshed out, thorough game, and it had its own world. And then the side quests. Let's talk a little bit about these. I really yeah, dug some quests. of the side quests. How about it was, you? It was definitely more, yeah, no, I agree. It's, it's more, it was more fun, I think. It, it, it kind of like, it felt like, well, this is where like the more voice characters came in, because you, you kind of, you spoke to a new character, 
uh, or it is, there's, there's so many characters in this game as well. And then you, you give them like a task to do, and it'll be just something kind of like a, like a, like a little mini game mm-hmm. in a way. Um, and you know, unlike the first, the first game I felt in the Spyro one was, it was more about just hunting stuff down. Whereas this second one was introducing well, you were arbitrarily finding yeah. stuff and they gave everything a purpose in this game. Yeah. Um, and again, I, I'm almost wondering if time wasn't their limitation there. Mm. And then all they did was just port the engine. They, they didn't have to even develop an engine or all this stuff. Yeah. All this stuff's established. Um, I do also like the fresh feel because they make it a whole new world. You're not yeah. saving dragons again. You're in this brand new world. Um, who's the fucking tiger? <laughs> Uh, oh, Hunter. Yeah. Hunter's great. I loved him <laughs> in the third game too. He is one of the few that returns for the third, so. Of course, yeah. Oh. Well, well, they all do. Is it technically? Yeah, I guess they do. But they, Hunter them, yeah. was there. Man, Hunter mm-hmm. the Cheetah was like up in your shit. Um, skateboarding fans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about uh, yeah, we'll <laughs> when Hunter joined Tony Hawk. Uh, yeah, but, uh, but yeah, um, the other thing I liked about this game was, uh, uh, or sorry, the most notable of the uh, of the uh, the uh, side quest was the hockey one. Oh yeah, I yeah, loved absolutely. playing hockey. That's great. Uh, and when I didn't know that I could like knock the guy over and take the puck from him, <laughs> yeah, that hockey game's a lot harder when you've got to play the the block and recover. But they all had interesting games. There was the shooting the. What was it? Shooting the Raptor game or whatever? Do you remember this? This guy goes up on a mountain or something, and you got to shoot rocks at him and stuff. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Again, as Fortingard saying, they all start as like there were different versions. <laughs> Hunter's the original Broski. Yes, he <laughs> is. Um, they were all like they taught you skills, then they let you demonstrate them in the mini game, and then the bosses tested them. And I thought mm-hmm. that was perfect. And by the end of it, it's a very dynamic um, set of skills you've got. Spyro's a very interesting guy. Um, and I really dug it. And the ending felt, or the end and beating it and all the wrap up felt pretty epic. And I, even though I didn't want to go through for the 100%, I still felt very accomplished. And I probably spent less time playing this game, but I felt like I'd done a whole lot more and had a much more significant experience with it. So mm-hmm. who knows? But, uh, Anyway, um, I don't know. And, and again, playing it now, it held my attention a lot better than the original. It, it defined itself. It was its own game. Hmm. In fact, I might even be so bold as to say you don't need to play the original. You could probably jump in right here. Oh, I don't think you really need to play. Um, you don't have to play these in order, really. You could play easily any of these games standalone. Yeah, but much like I've heard going back to Bayonetta 1 after Bayonetta 2. Oh, yeah, yeah. It might be hard to return to. It's going to feel stripped more so Mm. than it did before I knew what the sequels were going to bring. So actually, Mm. I would almost argue you either skip it or for posterity, archival sake, you immediately start with the first one. Well, one thing I was going to say this till the end, but um, on both the UK and the US stores, you can buy the Spyro um, games as a trilogy, so you can get all three together anyway. If you're going to buy them on them, if you're going to buy them on PlayStation Network, and they're dead cheap as well. I think in America they're only seven ninety nine, seven dollars ninety nine, five ninety nine, five ninety nine. Was that for all three? Oh, for all three, I don't know. I know it's a lot less if you get all three. It's like it's like it's basically. I mean, I know in the UK it's um, only like sort of eight pounds. Mm-hmm. For all for, for all three games, which is a complete steal, actually. Then it's probably nine ninety nine in ours. Uh, yeah, because we charge five ninety nine per game, except for 
the couple of douchey ones like Tomb Raider and Resident Evil. Mm. I think they're more important than everybody else, so they're ten bucks. But uh, again, somebody was always joking with me. They were like, "Define irony." Resident <laughs> Evil One is nine ninety nine, and then they release Resident Evil Two for five ninety nine. I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's funny." Yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> everyone thinks you're gonna grab the original classic, you know. But like, imagine how funny, how everyone would laugh if Nintendo was like Super Mario Brothers. Ten dollars, Mario three, five dollars. <laughs> you know, it's like uh, okay. <laughs> but anyway, um, it is what it is. I did buy all three when they first came out. Um, so there you go. Um, but well, uh, interesting story in the UK. We did they did release all three originally, but um, there was a some major glitch on the PlayStation Network version, so they were game breaking. Uh-huh. So they had to remove all yes, three of the were. games, <laughs> so, and they were only re released recently. But they're the American versions now; they're not the UK. Versions. Of course. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, so yeah. So uh, anything else you want to say about Spyro Two before we move into Year of the Dragon? Well, I think it's I think it's interesting to know um, the people that because we were talking about Ratchet and Clank earlier, which is a game obviously Insomniac um, developed later. Um, do you remember that level Gear Grinders, Fred? Mm-hmm. The one where yeah. it's the electricity one with those weird nerdy rabbit things. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's um, what they are. Yeah, it's uh... <laughs> whatever they are. But they I are love the... anthropomorphic animals. <laughs> yeah. uh, but anyway, so there's a large there's a large enemy. There's a large fat enemy in this that has a giant wrench as one of the enemies, and he has a little robot buddy. And it's it's apparently it's believed that apparently some of the inspiration for Ratchet and Clank came from this level. I mean, it, you, if you look at it, you think, oh, maybe, but really, is that that's where they got the inspiration? <laughs> but yeah, I um, almost think that. Well, and you know, there's there's also another inspiration that's pretty clear in my opinion, uh, which is uh, when we get to it, um, uh, is uh, one of the unlockable characters in the third game. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I, 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 I monkey. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> he's not. clearly uh, Ratchet and Clank. He's ra- he, he's the early version of the Lombax, uh, basically. <laughs> but uh, anyway. The final thing I wanted to mention, um, in comparison to the, there was some problems with the second game. I don't know if this is because I did play this. I played the first and this one on my original PlayStation One hardware. So I played this as Gateway's Glimmer instead of Ripto's Rage. Um, mm. there, this game is very. Oh, yeah, because don't you? Yeah, because you guys see it as the little American flag. That's why you guys know <laughs> about the U.S. stuff. Mm. Because you have the unatta- unobtainable uh, eggs in That's your right. versions. Yeah. Anyway. So there's, this game is quite glitchy for the UK. You, it's very easy. Well, not it's not easy entirely, but in the first hub world, it's quite easy to go out of bounds. <laughs> oh, uh, yes, and fall into the polygonal backgrounds. Um, that's right, yeah. These games are also surprisingly not on the Vita. I know. You could transfer quite... them over for a handful of minutes, but then uh, they, they removed that with one of the updates. So. Mm. So they do run just fine. I don't know why they pulled them up. I still to this day don't understand why the Vita doesn't run stuff. It can run. Yeah, I know. It it's no biz- sense to me. bizarre. But anyway. So yeah, yeah um, there are a lot of people who think that the second one's the best of the really? trilogy. Yeah, I can here, some people think it's the worst. <laughs> huh, well, there you go. I have I no idea why you would think it's the worst. No, not me personally, but yeah, you.
But I think it's because um, Spyro Year of the Dragon tries to be a little bit of too much. <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyway. Um, oh, should we get on that? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Uh, so Spyro Year of the Dragon comes out the Another following year. year. Yes. <laughs> 2000, which on the Chinese calendar is the Year of the Dragon. <laughs> um, so just so people know. <laughs> More clever uh, throwbacks to Japan. Um, the team is now much larger, whereas the original team was six to eight people. The second team was 10 to 15. This is now about 20 to 25 people on the development team. Still surprising that one of the biggest uh, performers on the PlayStation 1, though, uh, was made by a group of no more than about 20, 25 people. Mm. Um, it's like when you find out Link to the Past was made by 16 people. It just blows your mind. 15, yeah. <laughs> 15 if you don't count Miyamoto dropping in and out. Um, it's just like crazy. So, um, and this is the game where they basically packed a ton of shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a negative way. It's it's probably everyone's most highly regarded well, this was um, Insomniac's swan song for the series, and I think they kind of knew was. that this was their last one, so they thought... Oh, no, it was. They flat out chose not to continue on with Spyro. Um, yeah. And while they had created it, they learned a very valuable lesson, which was that Universal owned it. Um, <laughs> they will... With that Skylanders money doesn't come in, they'll, they'll remember that they want to retain... I think this is probably why they've stayed vehemently independent with their own shit. Uh, <laughs> owning their own shit since then. Um, actually, no, while they've remained independent, I think Insomniac has always given its stuff to other people. Ratchet and Clank. Yeah. Yeah. It belongs to Sony. Uh, Resistance technically can get its own. I think they do own Sunset Overdrive, but I don't know. Microsoft was pretty heavily involved in that. That's possible. It's yeah. not there either. Um, so while they've remained independent, their properties are definitely in everyone else's hands. They probably still own Disruptor. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> they probably they do still own Disruptor. That's <laughs> what we need a remake of. Uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway. Um, so yeah, it came out in the year 2000. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, it does a lot of things. So first and foremost, we should point out um, uh, Spyro is not the only playable character in this game. There's six playable characters now. There are five, uh, five if you don't count Spyro. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and you unlock these guys by collecting. Gems. Yeah, <laughs> Mr. Moneybag's fucking bullshit. Like, this is how many gems you have to have stuff. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so that's one important part. I guess we'll get to the characters. Maybe we shouldn't jump right into those. Uh, those are not really the core right here because Spyro's uh, because each character has their own levels mm -hmm. and then Spyro has basically levels to represent each of them. So Spyro's got six of his own worlds, four levels each, and then each character has their own four world level or well, four kind of, levels thing. Well, they kind of split. What's interesting about this, I felt this game was a bit smaller than um, the second game because there's a lot more kind of um, warp zones within levels. So that's true. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of sort of transitions to like the top of the mini the mini game areas or to a different character area. So each level felt a lot more chopped up as opposed to being this massive vast world. That's um, a good point. Yeah, it's not. It's it's not. It's it's pretty easy to not lose your way. I guess I would mm. say it's not confusing. Um, 
getting the eggs and the various other things. The eggs are your currency in this game. Uh, yep. 150. 150. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. So it's bigger numbers, uh, but it's, it's getting on Mario. But uh, again, yeah, I do think this one was shorter or the same as, well, no, I mean, for 100%, you had to do a lot with Year of the Dragon. Uh, I did not 100% it though. Uh, the other interesting thing is there are Sparks signs in every level. Mm-hmm. And you can slowly upgrade Sparks, have him do different things. And then he gets his own levels as well, which are like uh, top-down shmups. Yep. They're not really horizontal or vertical. They're just top-down. There's no other mm. way to put it. And I liked those. Did you enjoy the, the uh, Sparks yeah. shmups? Um, well, it's different. It's different. It's like, you know, you're mixing it up a bit. Okay. And uh, uh, Andy's saying that... Uh, um, they only gave Sunset Overdrive to Microsoft on the condition they could still own the IP, which is oh, good and smart. So yeah. glad they own that. Um, and uh, oh, and before we go any further, we should point out uh, Stuart Copeland comes back, uh, and uh, everyone really loves this soundtrack. Yeah, um, Fireworks Factory. Lots of people note is like everyone's favorite song. So of course I will have that on. Here. <laughs> um, but there are a couple others that people like, and has been widely regarded. And the person who wrote in about that, I apologize. I did not pull your email in advance, but they would kill me if I didn't mention this. You want to, if you can, play the Game of the Year edition or the yep. Greatest Hits edition versus the original version because they've changed up some of the soundtrack and the game is just overall considered tweaked up and better. There are some glitches that prevent you from beating this game 100%, I believe, in the first version. Uh, I can't remember exactly how that works. But anyway. It seems to be okay. I, I haven't finished 100% yet, but it seems to be okay on the PlayStation Network version so far. Okay. I'm pretty, I'm pretty close to 100%. Well, maybe they patched it in. Who knows? Yeah, it might uh, have, yeah. But, uh, maybe it is, or maybe it is the Platinum Hits version. So. No, that I know it's not. Uh, oh, it's not. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, but either way, um, so... Uh, so yeah, there, there's a lot of that fun stuff. Um, boss battles are pretty cool. Uh, this time you are, I'm trying to remember, there was the fucking cat, right, that, uh, that basically enters into your world. That's the rabbit, and steals yeah. steals all the was eggs. It? Oh, it's a rabbit. <laughs> yeah, right. And your, your stoner Chester Cheetah buddy, Hunter, yeah, um, is kind of, <laughs> there's some sexual tension between him and the rabbit, uh. What is her name? Why can I not remember her name? Bianca, I think. Bianca. There we go. Thank you. And uh, and so, yeah, there's some interesting interactions between the two of them. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and anyway, um, so in the end, uh, yeah, you're just kind of you're, – you're going through um, several levels and uh, retaining these eggs who, of course, immediately give birth to baby dragons. Yay. Oh, so cute. <laughs> um, yeah, right. And then, uh, so all okay. got names as well. They've all got separate names. They do. They named every one of them. I thought that was great. They did name every dragon in the first 50 though. Although there's yeah. 150 this time. I was going to say it's so 150. It's like, it's like borderline Pokemon at this point. Uh, so, but they all have like real names. Yeah. Like all their names are like Chester and John. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Abigail. So. Yes, exactly. They're very proper names too. I do like that as well. I was wondering if they were named after like maybe people that they knew or something, or like the developers God, maybe you knew. Could. Or... Yeah, maybe. Mm. Um, maybe they just went to you know one of those places that has all the mugs with names yeah. on there and just took a picture. Um, Probably, yeah. But, uh, and so there are a couple of different uh, levels, and each or a couple of different unlockable characters, and each character has their own levels. 
showing off their own mechanics and then their own mini games. And this can vary from good to bad. (laughs) (laughs) So um, let's go through them. Okay, so there's Sheila the Kangaroo. Who is a pretty boring character? She can of course. Why you need him? What? <laughs> Australian. <laughs> yeah, you can you can kick stuff with her. You can do the big jumps. I'm trying to remember what her mini game is. Uh, she's basically she she hops around. No pun intended. But yeah. <laughs> so, um, and she has that kick, and you can kind of like go up and like you can go leap really really high into the air. Um, I mean, because uh, e- each character has like their little starting instruction where they teach you their moves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, like their unlockable mini game or whatever their their oh. side quest thing. I forgot what hers is. So is it must not have been notable. The tower. Maybe it is. Yeah, I think it is uh, a platforming one. But mm. uh, and then there uh, and and I don't really care for Sheila the kangaroo. Nah. Uh, there's nothing interesting about her i guess to me even though she could bounce uh then there's Sir, uh, sergeant bird i love him uh, this is brilliant yes. he's just all personality he's got a weird mechanic because he can fly and it's it's a little weird the flying mechanic like the rules of it but you eventually get it down but i just love that he's this kind of like shell-shocked war vet um and his stuff uh you know subsequently uh works very much to that that kind of style um so he was just he was just really funny um so uh, it's like awful british accent as well <laughs> yeah he really does oh no it was a beautiful british accent okay. whatever <laughs> yeah. you're talking about but uh um i just love the way he's got like rocket dual rocket launchers strapped to his i, I, I know people will probably correct me and say they're firework launchers but there is nothing about him that i don't love um he <laughs> yeah. shoots a rocket launcher he has a jet pack he has shell shock and he flies like it, yeah. It's just he's just crazy. Um, but he flies where he's like just casually floating. <laughs> yeah, but they do have you cross some pretty large gaps at the end there. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and and of course he gets does he get snow levels or actually he everybody gets a snow level but yeah he gets a snow level. Um. Then there's fucking Bentley. Jesus. Why can't I like a Bentley? I don't like Bentley and fucking uh, uh what is it? Oh. Uh, what? <laughs> No, um, Sly Cooper. I'm not a oh, huge yeah. fan of Bentley and Sly Cooper, and I don't like Bentley the Yeti. He's no, big, he's dumb, he shoots projectiles back, and his boxing minigame fucking... Oh, oh, I hated that. Oh my god, I, I had to quit that twice. Like, I was like, fuck this game. No, I'm not going to beat you. No, that's that's how you feel. That's how you feel. Okay, fine, fuck you. Um, if it makes you feel better, Fred, apparently that boxing minigame was inspired by Ready to Rumble. Do you remember that game from Madrid? Yeah, that's a shit game, too. <laughs> I know, yeah. Why don't people just play Punch-Out and be done with it? Stop know, trying yeah. to reinvent the wheel. <laughs> now I'm going to have to play Ready to Rumble Boxing on the Dreamcast just so I can shit all over it. Um, and then another one I love, which is your your rabid meth-using space monkey, uh, Agent Number 9, uh, who has first-person shooter levels. It becomes fucking Dark Forces all of a sudden. Uh, which I thought oh, was pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. So you definitely get where the Insomniac may have gotten the idea that, well, maybe we can make first-person shooters. We've had Disruptor. People seem to like Agent 9. Uh, fuck like it. Let's make Resistance. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, what I do like, though, about Agent 9 is he's got uh, the gun and kind of some of the crazy weapons, and, and that leads me to believe that that's you know, kind of what will eventually go on to become Ratchet. Um, and, 
and, and I liked his mini game and he was a fun character to play as. And, and you know, he was the first time you had a third person shooter. Well, I guess Spyro could shoot fire, but still, um, I don't know. I found them all distinct enough characters. They were fun. <clears throat> but, yeah, the, uh, um, going back, going back to sort of the, the basically, um, Insomniac said in, I, don't, I can't remember where I read this. So I was in an interview with, um, Ted Price, where he said basically a lot of the mini games with this were inspired by the developer's favorite games. So Agent 9's first person sections were inspired by Doom. Sergeant Burr's levels were inspired by the jetpack scenes in Crash Free. Um, huh. Warped. Um, Bentley's boxing mini game was ready to rumble. I don't know why they took inspiration for that. And of course, we haven't <laughs> talked about it yet, Fred, is the skateboarding. <laughs> yes. So let's talk about Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Yeah. They do a damn fine job of cloning it, I gotta say. Um, complete with like when you do the moves, it tells you the moves and gives you points for them. Yeah, it's well, it's... and you you regularly have to beat Hunter at like a points rack up. So. Yeah, but that's not hard. No, they're just no. fun. Like you almost want to lose, and it's hard to lose, but you almost replay them just because they're fun. It is fun. Like you can kill time just just doing it, and the physics work well. And Spyro's got a fucking skateboard. All right, skateboarding <laughs> dragons. Now I've seen it all. Um wasn't as fond of the racing. No. Especially when you're Bentley. So. I don't know. You got quiet on me real quick. Oh, no. I, thought, I, I, was just, I, I didn't care for the those Bentley sessions in general. Yeah, just, I like the he, skateboarding, um, but hmm. I didn't see much of a point to it. I mean, it's, it's just a case of, like, I think Insomniac was just literally trying to, try to cram everything into this last game and just thought, let's just shove it all in there and just <laughs> and see yeah. what happens. But, it, I mean, it, it almost felt kind of a bit much, really, at times. But um, I didn't, like, I think they could have easily, like, cut Bentley, cut probably um, Sheila the kangaroo. Um, Don't cut Bentley. Oh, no, but I can't no. do that. Could you, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> could you imagine a game, yeah, where you basically uh, – Whereas basically Spyro, Hunter, um, Sergeant Bird, and Agent Nine, and you could like pick who you wanted to be. Hmm. That'd be awesome. Yeah. And then like the, uh, cool. the 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 levels that are specific to the characters were like their loyalty mission or whatever, so they could join your team. <laughs> 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 but uh, anyway, uh, yeah, it's a good game. Um, soundtrack's really good. I yeah. liked it. There was a lot of shit in it, but I still feel that the most fine-tuned and honed in, and probably my favorite of the three was Spyro 2. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, but I can see why a lot of people think Spyro 3 is the definitive one. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So. Because it, it encompasses all the... But the other thing we didn't mention is that all of the moves that you unlocked in Spyro 2 are now standard in this game. That's so, true. So, like, the head button, the swimming, and now you have those from the beginning, which is pretty yes. cool. Yes. Um, so you don't have to re-unlock them, which seems to be a staple with games these days. But, but yeah, yeah, right. God of War. They should have just <laughs> given it to you at the front and then just taken yeah. them all away. 
absolutely. But uh, anyway, um, so yeah, so it's a good um, game. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to rag on it or anything, but it is, it's good. Uh, it feels it's very, it's huge. This game is big, and it's definitely the one that took me the longest to finish. Um, yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, I spent a lot of time with it, and I'm still not done with it. I did beat the game, but I didn't, yeah. you know, get through all the things I wanted to. So, um, but again, I think like we were talking about here, we barely even talked about like the level designer, the bosses, and that's pretty much because it still very much feels like an expansion to Sly Two. Yeah, the only differentiator being these new characters. Um, fuck yeah, Sergeant Bird, man, I I just yeah. I want to make a, a gaming history one hundred and one T shirt that's just like all hail Sar- Sergeant Bird. Sergeant Bird. Uh, I might actually. I've. I've. Uh, I'm working on a deal right now to get print on demand T shirts for gaming history one hundred and one. So, yeah. Um, worldwide shipping too, Jam. So you'll be happy to know that. But uh, nice. But anyway. Um, so yeah. So that's the original trilogy. Some say that's the last of the games you should play. Um, yep. There were a handful, <laughs> yeah. There were a handful of Sierra games on the GBA, um, Loads, and yeah. if you want to know what those were like, why don't you ask the Crash Bandicoot GBA games? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there were there was the whole David Spade is Sparks and Elijah Wood is Spyro, the Legend of Spyro series, uh-huh, aka God of War, Spyro the Dragons. <laughs> uh huh. He got kind of extreme, um, and uh, and while Elijah Wood backs those. Um, maybe I would too if I had Frodo money. But uh, anyway, um, and then there's Skylanders, and a lot of people are like, "Man, they fucking missed the boat on that." I mean, it would be great for them to really be rich from the residuals on that. But uh, I, I thought it was very telling that both Al and Ted stated very clearly there is no way we would have come up with that idea had we retained Spyro. Yeah. So having said that, I don't feel cheated. Um, what would they do now? I think they've kind of exceeded what Spyro sets out to be. Ratchet and Clank almost seems like an extension of that. Yeah, it has the collecting aspect in it. Yeah, and it's like still a platformer. It's just more tight. Um, I've never played the PS2 games. I've got the trilogy. Um, But I'm told that the PS3 games are better, which is weird. I don't know. I've played the three PS3 games. Uh, Well, the original trilogy. Well... If you're going to go back to the PS2 ones, uh, I'd recommend the Vita version because it's a, it's great game. I have the PS3 HD collection. I bought that yeah. when it came out, but yeah. Um, so unfortunately, I can't go back to the Vita unless I want to rebuy it, and I'm not going to do that. But <laughs> yeah. um, I hear the games are long too. They're very long. Um, uh, they well, I'd probably say this: the the first one's probably similar in length to Spyro Three, okay. and then they probably maybe get bigger from there. And they're not, they're not enormous. I mean, yeah, okay, if you go I mean, over 100% then. Yeah, no, but like even the Ratchet PS3 games, the first one was like 10 hours and Quest for Booty was like two hours. But um, yeah. a crack in time was, uh, or clock blockers as it was originally <laughs> called. And I really wish it had kept that. I wish it could be called that. That'd be um, great. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Sony legal would not allow it though. Um, but that one's more like 15 hours and that's not even for the full fledged. Um, but it is, did you know it's one of the few games I gave a 10 out of 10 to in my review? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I knew about that. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, and if you guys want to, if for no other reason, if you get a chance to try out sunset overdrive, um, they are, it is a mature game. So they get to do all the swearing they want to and make all the dirty jokes. And it's yeah. great to finally see them ripped free of that, 
T rating. You know what I mean? Up your arsenal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Up your arsenal. Um, I, I even love the PSP one. Size matters. Yeah. Um, they're, they're all double entendres, every single one of them. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, anyway, Spyro's great. It's a, it's a pivotal trilogy. Again, I, I have to concede that I think I would have had even – like, I liked playing those games, but they're more like, huh, it's cool to see what Insomniac was up to back on the PS1 and kind of see one of the more colorful – and uh, forward-thinking, like, technical leaps for the PlayStation 1. I'm, I'm very impressed with the fact that these are all PlayStation 1 games for what they are. Uh, very open, very open camera, lots of stuff going on, lots of weird stuff. Like, I think Al built the skateboarding mechanic on top of all these mini-games, on top yeah. of the regular Spyro game, just to prove he could. You know what I mean? And, uh, and that's really cool. But uh, at the end of the day, I don't think I have the appreciation that it deserves had I played them back then. Those would have been quite phenomenal had I played them back then. Yeah, I, um, I think the, the, trilogy, the, third, the PS1 trilogy is great, and it's still worth revisiting today if anyone's not tried it. If, and if you've got a PlayStation... Yeah, and if you've got, you got a PlayStation Network account, yeah, do yourself a favor. It's, and it's, they're usually in the sale as well at mm -hmm. some point. So, And some of you might even have them with Plus if you're the kind of person like me who every time yeah. something comes out on Plus, you just add it to your queue and then just cancel it immediately which apparently <laughs> i think this week is the first week where we don't have to do that anymore we can just say add it to my account so yeah <clears throat> that is if revision 2.0 or if masamune doesn't burn down my ps4 course, but yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway um so i guess without further ado uh what if they did it in modern day i again i don't mm -hmm. think that i don't think they need to i think well, uh the problem is, is that they kind of tried that because um, I think it's something that left the Spyro series at the perfect time. Three games was enough because then after that, um, when Spyro took over, they basically just tried to repeat the formula again, but on um, next gen systems, which would have been the PS2 for the time on the GameCube. And it didn't work really; it just didn't, it didn't sell as well, and um, people just weren't kind of as into it as well into it as much. So I don't, I don't think that revisiting this series, at least in, in the form it used to be, would really would bring any draw anymore. Really, that's just my mm -hmm. opinion. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter anyway. There's no way. Uh, it's tied up in Skylanders. It's not yeah. happening. It's just flat out not happening. Uh, and I think Insomniac's interested in doing their own thing. Although, I do still really beg them to please come up with a truly unique title. I need something oh, yeah. that's not yeah. derivative of something else. Spyro is the closest thing I've seen, to be honest with you. Wait, um, you mean Fuse is not original, Fred? <laughs> Oh, fuck, I forgot that game existed. <laughs> I was told by so many people to just ignore that game that I've never, I've never even booted it. And for the record, I loved all three Resistance games. Yeah, I, I really did. did all right. um, so, I even liked Resistance 2 because even though the, the level design was shit, the boss battles kind of made up for it. Uh, but uh, anyway... All right, well, that's about that. We're going to wrap up for the night, but thank you, everybody who's out there, and uh, watch for the songs. I will be popping those in there. Maybe I'll even be smart enough to uh, put them in the show notes, but maybe not. Uh, either way, uh, tell me what you think about this music. Speaking of music, we are going to be doing um, – sorry, Pop real things. quick. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to remember what the uh, – um, Hold on real quick. I'm trying to pull up our schedule. But we are going to be doing uh, at the end of 25th. November. The 25th? Okay, yeah. yeah. On the 25th of November is our uh, our Thanksgiving slash Top Scores Volume 2. If you have sent in a song you want requested, there's about four or five of you, and each of you has like one or two songs. 
those are all on the list. Um, let me see if I can really quickly look those up. Eh, I don't want to waste time. Anyway, those are on the list. If you've sent them in, trust me, I've got them. Jam and I have our lists. We are going to be integrating those as well. And uh, anybody else who wants to throw them in, hit us up with the contact and send us that way so we can list it. Just give me the name of the song and the uh, game it's from. Uh, I do not need the track itself. I can I can pull it nine times out of ten, uh, one way or the yeah, other. Don't link them in the email because it will just clog things up a bit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, uh, yeah. So in the least, the the most work you can do, but trust me, I could probably find it without needing it. Is if you know of like a YouTube video or something, but do not attach anything to the email, please. Um, actually, the contact form won't let you, so we're good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, so so let us know about those so we can get those in. But the cutoff is uh, this week. So by the end of this week, by this weekend, I'm cutting it off and cannot add any more because we've got to start recording the in-betweens and i got to start piecing together the whole thing and, and seeing what kind of flow we're going to get. Um, anything's on the table really from anything but the modern generation. So that would be Wii U, 3DS, Vita, Xbox One, and yeah. PS4. Everything else is on the table. Um, I was also, also going to mention – Yeah, no licensed it. songs. Yeah, but also that, and um, the if because uh, some people might be listening to this have not listened to the first one, I'd recommend uh, everyone go check out the volume one because we probably won't be replaying the stuff that's oh, on that. Oh yes, show. nothing on that will be replayed. So, it's yeah, it's the nine nine twenty thirteen episode. It's called Top Scores. Yeah, so, so no DK rap for people. I know <laughs> no DK rap. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and I know I said no licensed stuff. The one exception I might do because it is I think public domain at this point. Yeah, is playing through Bayonetta. I'm very tempted to do the "Fly Me to the Moon" oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. version on that, uh, but maybe not. We'll, we'll we'll discuss it off the air. But uh, anyway, and next week, in honor of the Master Chief Collection coming out, <laughs> we are going to be doing Halo. Sweet. We're going to be talking about the Halo series. Uh, technically, Halo Four is not. Uh, canonical and frankly we're probably not going to get to it so we're There's pretty so good this is trouble, mostly yeah. going to be bungee the one thing that's going to save us some time which will save us some time over this one is um jam i'm sure you're aware one of the earliest podcasts i did was called call of duty combat evolved yep. where i talked <laughs> about the origins of both call of duty and halo so if you want to hear about bungee kind of how they got to halo what they were doing with stuff like that please excuse the music integration i found out very quickly there that if you have two things i.e your voice and music at the exact same levels without reducing the volume of one of them audacity tries to like merge them in and out fortunately i only did a very small portion of the songs so it's only the first couple of minutes but i apologize that the intro of both the call of duty and the halo section it gets bled out a little bit by music but don't worry after about two minutes the music stops and you can hear it very clearly um so we're going to skip those origins and literally leap right into impressions so i think what we're going to do is instead of development history just talk a little bit more about the gameplay and and playing those games and when everything came out uh because i don't know about you jam i know you've played all of them did you play them upon release yeah pretty much yeah okay anybody who was around for the release of halo 1 and halo 2 especially 
prior to the online multiplayer, and then definitely with Halo 3 being so early into the Xbox 360 cycle. I mean, those were very pivotal games in and of themselves, and, and very diverse, but I get the feeling we'll be doing a lot of talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, anyway, uh, so in honor of the Master Chief Collection, we will be doing the Halo series next week, and in the meantime... Uh, you can check us out at GamingHistory101.com. We have two very fun um, reviews that wrapped up our Halloween month with Phantasmagoria 1 written by me and 2 written by Jam. I actually really like how both of those reviews came out. So, um, yeah, that was great. I encourage people to go check those out. Uh, those went live earlier this week. And, uh, and uh, yeah, other than that, uh, you can find us on Twitter. I am at SpidersVenom, S-P-Y-D-E-R-S-V-E-N-O-M, and Jam is at Jam Elias, J-A-M-A-L-A-I-S. And until next week, peace out. Peace <laughs> out.